This week, we look inside the mystery box and cook up some clever dishes. This is Game Shows, I Suppose. Everybody and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows. I suppose I'm your host Jordan Haas. Welcome everybody to a very special episode, folks. This is a very special day. This is our one year anniversary. That's right, everybody. It has been exactly one year since the debut of this podcast, Game Shows, I suppose, and I can't thank you enough for tuning in to enjoy this long-winded game show podcast. You know, it's a pleasure for me to do this every week, talk about game shows from the past and present, doing some reviews, doing some news, and overall just trying to make game shows a more mainstream sensation. Yes, there's the game show fandom, and they are the biggest group, but guess what? Game shows are for everybody, so rather you are new to the world of game shows or one that knows everything about game shows, I am glad you are tuning in to find out more about them. And because this is our one-year anniversary, I just wanted to make a quick thank you note to all of our guests, my friends, other podcast associates who have stopped by the show to talk about a game show with me. I have asked all of them uh, if they were willing to come up with some voicemail messages uh, to celebrate the one-year anniversary, so let's hear them right now. Oh. Oh. Okay, then. I under I understand. Well, I guess we'll start the news now. <sighs> well, all right. Maybe the news will cheer me up, uh, <laughs> like it ever does. Anyway, uh, first off, *Impractical Jokers* the movie is going to debut. That's right, folks. Pra- *Impractical Jokers* is a game show. Uh, the reason being, it's because it's the punishment with the person who scores the lowest at the end of these hilarious hidden camera pranks uh, becomes a loser. That's that's why it's a game show. I call it, I consider it a game show. It's a prank element based off improvisational skills with a continued uh, version of uh, comedian contestants. So I consider Practical Jokers no different than a lot of Korean game shows like Running Man. So... Uh, they're getting their own movie, uh, which will debut, I believe, February 21st, 2020. The premise being Paul Abdul gives the Impractical Jokers tickets to a big party in Miami. But the catch is there's only three tickets. And with four Jokers, one of them 
can't go. How do we decide? By playing the various games seen on the hilarious True TV show Impractical Jokers, but on the big screen. That's that's it. It, it really is just kind of like a, a, a jackass, I guess. A jackass, the movie, but Impractical Jokers. Uh, complete with, of course, because you have to have a narrative, a fake a transition scenes in or splice between the Impractical Jokers games so you can have more hilarious laugh-out-loud comedy bits. Uh, so next piece of news, speaking of more fun, have you heard the news about Legends of the Hidden Temple? That's right, folks. Legends of the Hidden Temple is back, but not on Nickelodeon, but on the bane of my existence, Quibi. Everyone has a deal on Quibi, except for me. <laughs> Go figure. Every week I have to read some damn game show is coming to Quibi. Some reboot is coming to Quibi. Reno 911 going to Quibi. Hey, uh, Ron Funches, nice one, coming to Quibi. And I'm getting sick of this. I'm getting sick of the, the, the micro-cooking show. Come into Quibi. I'm get floored. Coming to Quibi. Quibi this, Quibi that. I, I keep saying this shit about Quibi. No one knows what the fuck Quibi is. Quibi, short for Quick Bite, is 10 minutes or fewer videos. So basically, Hollywood YouTube. Meg Whitman and Jeffrey Katzenberg are the two people in charge because Meg Whitman with the Silicon Valley connections and Jeffrey Katzenberg because the Hollywood connections. So what you're going to do is you're going to pay five bucks a month for your mobile device to show some of these shows with an ad uh, overlay. This ad overlay is also data. It's going to track you to sell to advertisers and third-party investors. Surprise, that's the big hook of also Quibi. It's data mining. Don't worry. It's it's a big thing that's done on, on Facebook and Amazon and YouTube and Google. Basically everything you go to right now, but you're also going to be paid money for it. Or if you do not want the ads, it's seven bucks a month, which might be better. I don't know you, but then again, it's a streaming service. So what do I know? Because of the $7 a month streaming service with these 10 minute videos by all your favorite celebrities based on some of their favorite games you get to enjoy them on a phone that's quibi it's quick television and a bite of your privacy quick bite quibi got it so legends is back let's read the press release <clears throat> Instead of being filmed in Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, Florida, Quibi is bringing the show to an undisclosed jungle location. The challenges and prices are both bigger this time around, according to Quibi. Bringing back Qu Legends of the Dream is a Qu for Quibi is a dream come true. So like producer Scott Stone said in a statement, I've been so lucky to be a part of this defining millennial show, and now there is a defining millennial platform to go with it. I couldn't be more excited. This show is being produced by... Nickelodeon and Stone and Company Entertainment. Hint Temple is produced by Stone, who is one of the original creators, alongside David G. Stanley and Stephen Brown. So, it's... It's going to be 10 minutes version of Legends of Hint Temple, and it's going to be set in the jungle. So, don't think it's a studio show. Now, I have mixed feelings here, because Hint Temple is a 22-minute show for kids. So that's t trying to tell me, what are they going to cut out? What are they going to truncate out to make this big? So what I'm thinking in the back of my mind here is three teams of two, and I, or it's going to be six contestants, 
and you want to do that whole nostalgia version of Red Monkeys, Orange Egg, or whatever, the Purple Parrots. And the first game's going to be a cross-the-moat game. Then it's going to be one temple game, just one, because you have 10 minutes, and then a three-minute temple run, just like in the main game. But it's going to be set like in an underground temple that's kind of like a little maze, and you're going to, almost like a uh, escape room. A three-minute escape room, complete with like, with the with the temple guards jumping out because you have to have the spooky temple guards and the assembling the monkey and then if you get out you win a fine caribbean cruise because we're not going to give away that much money this is still quibby by the way um so it's it's a very mixed thought for me with this legends of hidden temple reboot because at one hand finally people will shut the fuck up about legends of hidden temple getting a reboot i i'm going to be the strong antagonist here Legends was an okay game show. We're going to be talking about that in the future. No doubt this will be a future episode we're talking about. But it's not the end-all, beat-all Nickelodeon game show. I think you can say that about Double Dare. Personally, I like Figure It Out more than Legends. But there is that nostalgia about it, and I think it's the adventure. So all I can think of is people in their 30s, maybe 40s, maybe early 20s, who have a vague nostalgia for Legends of the Hidden Temple, and they're going to end up on, like, spooky snake pits, or end up on high-wire bungee cords, or go across an alligator moat, like an actual alligator moat, and they're going to be like, I don't want to do this anymore! This is not the Legends of the Hidden Temple I know! Because you want to have the freak-out panic, oh, no snakes and spiders. Because none of this screams kitschy. This screams kind of like... What if we tried to do I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, but for millennials who want to revisit Legends of the Hidden Temple? That's what it's coming across to me. I could be completely wrong here, but if it's one thing I know about Stone Productions is if I can put the Paradise Run into a jungle setting for Legends, this is going to be a big, big hit. Doesn't matter if it's for adults or for kids, I could see this actually taking off, as long as they continue the Temple Run format as it was originally back in the 1990s, complete with the really difficult ways to win and almost impossibility odds that you can because the buttons can't work. Or you can also give away trips to Smuggler's Notch in Vermont, I don't know. Uh, Also, speaking of reboots, Singled Out, which I once brought up to Leslie as being rebooted, I was mistaken. The YouTube singled out is not, repeat, not the Quibi version. I was mistaken. Uh, I thought the, the, what they're going to do is just put the YouTube version onto Quibi because they're cheap bastards. Because it's a very cheap black box theater set. No, 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 this is different. This is a new singled out revival. And it's going to be hosted by Kiki Palmer and Joel Kim Booster. So we found our new Hardwick, folks. It's Joel Kim and Kiki. Uh, So uh, this is what the uh, press release says about Singled Out. The new iteration will bring online dating to life with a twist. The main data is linked to a pool of diverse singles through social media. So it's going to be the YouTube version. It's still no different. It's going to be the YouTube version where it's 25 in studio, 25 on the wall. But the on the wall could be catfishes. The in studio are real. And you play the game exactly the same, complete with the eliminate contestants that way. 
great. They just decided to do different casting with Kiki and Joel Kim, probably because, hey, maybe they have a bigger budget now or something because <laughs> it's Quibi. I like Joel Kim Booster, and I do like Kiki, so you know what? I might actually give this a try. I, I don't know. This still feels a little too uh, revive for the sake of revive, and I still feel like I'm be too old to watch this show. This feels like a show made for 20-somethings, and I'm in my 30s. So this is a little complicated, at least to me. But uh, I, I'm kind of interested in this um, because, for stars, we did talk about uh, the show uh, earlier. Doing a 10-minute version of Singled Out means that you can actually condense Singled Out into one full episode because in the original Singled Out, which we've discussed with Leslie Lee, the third from Struggle Session, uh, it is played with two halves. One single uh, girl with, with 50 single guys or one single guy with 50 single girls. Because this is now just one versus 50, you can now rotate the board out. You can do uh, one person is bisexual and have 50 random. You can have it be just gay. You can be lesbian, bisexual, Trans contestants, anything can really go in this. And you know what? That's kind of will be exciting for this new version. I think that is what's missing in Single Out for the 20th century. You got better you got better hosts, definitely, this time around. I'm still not on the fence with the online component. I think that was also it was a just a cheap way of ending an unnecessary screw to a catfishing game show. Leave it as it is with the 50 in the studio. You would have been fine. But, oh well. I mean, it's it's Quibi. It's the bane of my existence. It's Quibi. Everyone has a Quibi show. Do you have a Quibi show? I'm pretty sure if you did, you'll probably be sending me hate mail right now for how dare you insult the name of Quibi. How dare you insult Jeffrey Katzenberg. How dare you uh, insult... Uh, what else are they going to probably revive? Um... The secret celebrity, uh, the mystery celebrity game from What's My Line. They'll bring that back. That's just how Quibi is. And I, look, I, you know, I, I might as well just take the gloves off here. For the entirety of this year, I have been against Quibi for a multitude of reasons. I have been the biggest advertiser, I guess, in terms of hating on Quibi. I feel like it's going to be 10-minute videos, which means you can just record all of these episodes in a day and cheapen up the below-the-line production in favor of the above-the-line cost of productions and, and hosts. I think it's a, going to be a, a bigger gap in the wages of production. And what you're going to see is below-the-line people, PAs, they're not going to get paid as much because you're only working two days to record your 10 episodes, or even just one day for your 10 episodes, versus going into uh, a, a week or two days or three days or just so the people at the tippity-top, the hosts, the executive producers, can be paid a bigger chunk of the budget. To me, I... That's just like one of the issues I have. I feel like this is also trying to undermine a lot of Writers Guild uh, thoughts on what constitute a television show versus a movie versus a web series. This will all be considered web series uh, because it's 10 minutes long. And I don't... There's so many issues with Quibi 
on a standpoint of, of of different things in the production that's too complicated and it just gives me a headache and i just i can't really keep talking about quibi because this is just going to give me a migraine it's it's people are going to enjoy quibi i know for a fact quibi is going to end up being one of those things where it's going to kick off like a disney plus everyone's going to check it out they're all going to binge watch the one or two shows and then they're going to be like oh well now what and they're going to wait till the next episode and the next episode. And because these are 10 minute chunks, which is about the length of a YouTube video, they're going to want more every week or every day. And it's going to hopefully in a, in a positive way, cause more people to work on these shows and cause more episodes to be developed. Otherwise, this is just going to be 10 episodes. We're done here in the show after two seasons like most streaming media platforms. Quibi for being a, a short-term media project is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. And the good thing and the bad thing are kind of differences. Bad thing, I've already talked about data. I've talked about uh, production-wise. I mean, it's I mean, good thing if you're going to make a lot of money on this. Go, go get your money, folks, but... To me, this feels like the bad things. I don't know if that overweighs the good. But I have not really said anything good about Quibi, I just realized. I've spent most of this time for the last year talking bad about Quibi. Good things about Quibi. I'm going to actually give you the good things because I feel like everyone treats me as a negative guy. Good things about Quibi is because these are 10 minutes long, they're short term. You can go through one episode and you're good for the day. I think that's perfect. This is perfect for game shows. Think about a lot of the classic game shows of your time. Concentration, uh, To Tell the Truth, What's My Line. Those are all games that play different, like the same game multiple times. To Tell the Truth is one of the current examples of that. To make one round of that is roughly 10 minutes. So you could theoretically... Just make that one round of that one game into the entirety of the game show. That's what I enjoy about this. This is a this is a format that's perfect for game shows. Password can be completed in a 10-minute chunk. First to 21, gets to play the bonus round, you're done in 10 minutes. I know this for a fact. Time it out. So I'm excited for Quibi on a game show standpoint because... This could mean revivals of a lot of familiar formats. A lot of outdated formats might get their scene again. You might actually see new formats be developed on Quibi because this is such a cheap platform. And I mean cheap in the nicest way. You will see maybe Buzzer getting into this. Fremontal Media tried their hardest when YouTube existed to do the YouTube Buzzer thing. And that was a complete flop. But if you can take the same truncated versions of these classic game shows and put it on Quibi and actually make it with contestants and make it fun and en engaging, you will have a success. Without a doubt, you will have a success. And because of that, you're actually going to see for the first time in a long time the, the, the actual opponent to YouTube. In a world where if you want to see long form, you watch Twitch. If you want to see short form, you go to YouTube. This is also short form, but this is Hollywood short form, 
which means this could actually take out so much chunk of people who watch carpool karaoke videos or or the fun box of lies game on Jimmy Fallon. This could be the platform that takes them out of the water and they watch Quibi. And you're going to see a lot more people get their news from Quibi, get their interviews from Quibi, watch movie trailers maybe on Quibi. That YouTube becomes just kind of this Google component that's for the, hey guys, check out my makeup tutorial videos instead. There's a lot of good to come out of Quibi, but I'm unsure if all that good outweighs the bad. I, To me, Quibi might be either the next great so like platform for 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 videos. To me I like Vimeo the most. But this could be the next great platform for videos or this could be the next Go90. And Go90, which we'll talk later when we eventually cover the runner, was a good idea in theory, things like Tweenfest, but it quickly blew up in their faces and that could end up being the same case for Quibi. If Quibi is just a mobile platform, and you can view it vertically or sideways, eh, there's so many different phones out there. What if you don't want to watch on your phone? What if you want to watch the Quibi shows on your TV or on the web? I'm sure they're thinking of that. Maybe that's part of their components right now for all your smart televisions. I do not, I do not know. But 10 minutes or less is a perfect chunk for game shows, and this can end up being a really big component but at the same time, making less episodes of the show, making it feel like they're big budgeted shows by getting all of these A-list celebrities and their agents involved, tells me this is the same kind of problems going on currently in the world of television and film, that it just becomes another one of these quick and easy cash grabs because... The world of media has been so spread out, so spread thin, there's no way to make money anymore unless you do these weird side projects and these side deals. And Quibi currently feels like a side deal, and it's off the backs of production assistants, uh, key grips, you name it. It's coming off the backs of them. Set designers, art directors, they're just going to end up just like building a set for a day and then tearing it down or building up the set for a day and then someone's going to have to repaint it for the next show that's going to be filmed there in two days. And that's what Quibi is going to end up being. And I, I don't enjoy when I see a show feel cheap in that direction. I like a show that feels like there was effort being made and people made this with love and it wasn't just a quick and easy two weeks of production from pre to cast to post. This could be better. This could be delightful. But Quibi, I don't know. I really don't know. And it's a scary, scary situation. But I will do a free trial if they give me one. And Quibi, if you are listening... Let me tell you about my new format. It's basically like a gift exchange, but starts out as a quiz. You will enjoy it because it's basically, there's lots of different prizes and there's cash and there's cars and there's vacations, but then there's clunkers and you can take the prize you have now or, or steal from an opponent and everyone gets a prize and everyone leaves happy. It's, multi, it's, it's perfect product placement for your advertisers. It's perfect for the world of mobile because you can give away phones, you can give away laptops, 
trust me, this is going to be a huge hit, and it doesn't even have to be at Christmas time, although I'm aiming for a, a winter release because of it. Uh, next, uh, there's finally clips for Get a Clue in January. So I recently saw a video of Rob Belushi with Get a Clue, and I will say this, I can't really review the show yet. This show, this show called Get a Clue looks like fun. Like, I am actually shocked that this is actually, like, a really fun game show-looking game show. I feel like that's something that's been missing in this world of glossy floors and weird podiums and spotlights all over the place. That Yes, it fills in, the, like, there's still, like, the monitor screens and there's still that same font that I see on, like, Common Knowledge or Imagine More Actually America says... But the scoring system looks like fun. The clues look like fun. The jokes look like fun. And Rob Belushi feels like a host. That all of the little like notes feel perfect for the show in a way that is the most game show-ass game show to come out in recent time. And I mean that in the nicest way to everything on Summer Fun and Games. We finally got a game show-ass game show, and it's called Get a Clue. I'm going to be tuning in. This is actually an exciting game show for me. I I want to know, like, what happens? What's the jokes? Yes, it's a $10,000 medium, but that's, like, the game show minimum these days is $10,000. And uh, honestly, I don't know which is better between this and 25 words or less. But I'm excited. I like the set. I like, I like the look. I am on board. Uh, next. Hey, remember HQ? They're going to try and make an, a, a different uh, game show again. So <clears throat> there is a new game show coming soon from the makers of HQ called HQX, a game that users participate in photo challenges, such as making the best Baby Yoda impression. And they have 35 seconds to take and submit a photo. Viewers have 30 seconds to vote by swiping left or right. The six players who lose save the most likes by the end compete in a final challenge and once declare the winner. Unlike HQ Trivia, Players on HQX won't initially be rewarded cash prizes. They earn virtual coins, which can be used in HQ's other games for a chance to win cash. In upcoming games, there's also going to be another game called HQ Drop, which demos products and interviews customers, similar to QVC. Uh, as you know, there was a lot of problems going on with HQs uh, over this entire year. Uh, you had people leave. You had the CEO pass away. Uh, April saw the end of Scott Rogowski as the host. And because of this mismanagement and this dissembling of HQ, there's attempts to try and rebuild it. Um, maybe this is the end of the quiz app, but there's attempts to try and bring it back. And one such new attempt is to actually do 20 new HQ games. There's going to be 20 new games in 2020, and I'm guessing the idea is supposed to be because of the variety of all of these different games on the HQ app. You'll be more engaged into it. You'll be playing more. There'll be more advertising. And because we're not giving away cash right now, we are giving away uh, coins. That coins can be used towards building cash or towards prizes. I don't know if this is going to take off. This feels like something that should have been the year two plan of HQ. But it feels like if you were originally, hey, here's this quiz show where if you survive 15 questions, you get to split $1,000 and you usually walk away with like 12 cents. What if we do that, but now instead of you win 12 cents, you get 100 fun bucks. 
I, I don't know if that's going to kick off. I don't know if, if people are going to return to HQ no matter what different games are there. I think if there was a way that if you had the fun coins, it'd be like Chuck E. Cheese tickets and you can win like uh, go into a drawing for, for prizes. Maybe that could be a thing. I don't know. But this feels like a little too late to the game. And if you want a fun pub quiz game, it's, it's still there. But I do not know. I feel like they are going to overwork themselves at HQ to try and get back uh, players. And when you've already gave away like a million bucks once, there's no going back. I think we are. this is the last ditch attempt to bring back the HQ app. And no different than Beanie Babies being passe and no different than Tamagotchis, people just fell off. There'll still be some audience for it. Maybe in like 15 years you can bring it back. But for right now, it's done for. Uh, Biggest news of the day comes from CBS. Survivor removes contestant for the first time after off-camera incident. Deadline reports, the December 11th episode of Survivor came to a surprising end when Jeff Probst walks up to the Lumiwaku camp to deliver the news that one of the players, Dan Spillow, a prominent Hollywood manager producer, has been ejected from the game. This marks the first time in the history of the long-running rally series that contestant has been removed. I spoke privately with Dan, and I want to update you guys. A decision has been made, and Dan will not be returning to the game. He won't be coming back to camp. He won't be on the jury. He's gone. He did not elaborate further, and after quick reactions from Janet, Tommy, and Lauren, the episode ended with a card which read Dan was removed from the game after a report of another incident which happened off-camera and did not involve a player. Uh, CBS does not comment. What was that thing? Spillo also declined comment. Uh, people reported the incident question involved a member of the show's production team happened after immunity challenge as Spilo and other contestants were getting to a boat to transport the camp. It is believed to involve physical contact. Spilo, whose roster of clients includes big-name actors, has been accused earlier in the competition by fellow contestant Kelly Klim of unwanted touching. She has been subsequently joined by two other female contestants, Missy Bird and Elizabeth Brysel, who also claimed that Spilo engaged in inappropriate touching with them. So, by the end of the episode, Beard and Brysel admitted they came up with their claims in an effort to gain an edge in the game and had not been made uncovered by any of Spilo's actions. Kim stood by her claims when it was time time for contestants to decide who would leave the show. Kim was voted off. Spill executive producer for NBC Sunnyside apologized for his perceived actions at Tribal Council. I work in an industry in which the Me Too movement was formed and allowed, thank God, to blossom and become powerful and strong. My personal feeling is if anyone ever f- for a second uh, uncomfortable anything I've ever done, I'm horrified about that. I'm terribly sorry, he said. It doesn't matter whether I knew it happened or didn't happen that someone feels that it's their truth. I have a wife. I have been married for 21 years. I have two boys. I have big business. I have lots of employees. I think what upset everybody here is that this has somehow turned into gameplay. Uh, Jesus. Um, when it comes down to people, okay. Uh, Spillo exited day 35. Uh, the contestants spent 39 days. So th- right near the end. Uh, that's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I do not know if it's because p- of the sexual harassment claims in the show, which was a hot button issue, and f- frankly, one that is very uncomfortable to ever bring up. Um, or is, is this just more gameplay by the producers? But this is the first time the producers ejected a contestant from the game. I'm one to argue that 
this needs to be happening more often. And shows like Survivor and most reality shows that involve having a quote-unquote social experiment where you're cut off from the outside world, I think needs to go away. I, I think what you do is you heighten up the anxiety, you heighten up the depression, you heighten up all of this this issues with people to just to create more conflict. And the intention is to get them to talk. I get it. But what you're going to see is more people not doing what's normally common to them and rather it's not keep their hands to themselves and being awful to people or it's something off camera to a production staffer none of this should be welcomed none of this should be acceptable and just as you should blame the this cast member for the allegations if it's true or not you should also blame the production crew for not keeping the contestants and the crew members safe. That this is a huge issue that must be addressed. All of it. Not just in this one show. All of this. Big Brother. Amazing Race. The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Dancing with the Stars. The Voice. This needs to be a huge button issue. And to me, I, th- I think this this is going to be one that we're going to be seeing more of in the upcoming years. This is just the start, and it's not the fault of the contestant. It's not the fault of the staffer. It really is an overall arch of trying to constrain and cause anxiety among everybody. That's why I I think we should just get rid of most reality competition shows, to be honest, or give them hotel rooms where they can call their friends and family up. Get rid of the letters from home gag. We don't need it. Give people the most comfort and pr- and ease off as much pressure as possible so they're most comfortable and they can do their best and act their best on these quiz shows or game shows. Because do anything else is just ridiculous and truly awful. And it's one of the most awful things I have to keep bringing up when it comes to these game shows. So let's go into a, a back in the day then. There is going to be on Game TV in Canada a documentary called The Search for Canada's Game Shows. It's going to premiere January 16th, 2020, and it's going to star Wink Martindale and Howie Mandel and talk about some of my favorite Canadian game shows, such as The Mad Dash and Definition. If you don't know what The Mad Dash is or Definition, stay tuned because those are some fantastic game shows. Just as soon as I can find them, as soon as I can find them, we will have some fun here. But uh, until then, because it's January 16th, I think it's time that we get into today's episode. Culinary game shows have been a part of America for decades. From game shows like Ready Steady Cook in Britain to Iron Chef in Japan, but Chopped is a distinct American game show. Hosted by Ted Allen, four players use their brains to use 
unorthodox ingredients to make an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert in 30 minutes each. With a sea of judges, from culinary experts to food network personalities, you never know who's going to enter the chopped kitchen and who's going to walk out with a $10,000 cash prize. But who is going to be a perfect expert for this show? Well, it's the one-year anniversary, so I might as well get friend of the show, fun time calls creator, host, showrunner, my friend Jack. So let's turn the tables. With me on the line is Funtime Calls' his own Jack. Uh, hi, hello. I'm uh, happy, happy to be back. Um, it's you know it's been been a ple- it's more than a pleasure. It's an honor to you know represent represent once again on the show. I know it was a mass demand when everyone when they talk about the Jack episode, they obviously mean me. You're the good Jack. There has been no other Jacks that I could think of. No, definitely no other very popular podcasters out there that are named Jack. Nope, it's just me. That's it. Uh, no, no one else out there like me. That's which I do think is true. So that's uh, yeah. So Jack, you are the uh, host of Fun Time Calls. Can you care to explain what that podcast is about? Uh, Fun Time Calls is basically a show we come up with different explanations for every week. It is a show that Jordan here, myself, and our mutual friend Ian uh, talk about a variety of topics, and we kind of, at the same time, display a lot of improv comedy. Whether or not we take it seriously, or if we just use it as a launching pad for inventing a rando character voice, or making a, you know on the spot hot take just to get reactions that's i mean that's what the show is so podcasters remorse the podcast i mean basically yeah all right well well jack uh you're here for a special episode this is the one year anniversary of fun time calls oh wow happy birthday you're just in time for christmas and all that so it's a perfect oh wow it's a christmas miracle the podcast is uh still here that's it's just you know just like the the story of hanukkah it is. It's a miracle. There was the like a podcast baby. burned for seven days and seven nights. There was a, like a there was a real coked out Tommy Pickles in a river. He said, "Hey guys, we, I'm Moses." We didn't know. It's like no one knew if the podcast would update after a week, but sure enough, it did. Oh, and what what a glorious day that was! The and, podcast, the RSS feed updated every week for every Wednesday. But now, like instead of just like like yelling at people on twitter for guests i'm just gonna just be like hey you were here on my podcast like last last year could you like come back i mean honestly there's nothing nothing wrong with returning guests nothing wrong with you know especially popular famous ones like jack here yeah exactly um popular people like me that everyone likes um that's the type of those are the types of guests you want so, so we are going to have you back. We're going to have a few others. And we haven't had Ian yet. Now that I think about it, we haven't yet had Ian. And Ian's shown interest. I, I would not shock me if 2020 was the year Ian, if uh, every Funtime Calls host, unless you want to, you know, have yourself on as a guest, like kind of record yourself and go, and with me on the line is Jordan. And then just like 30 <laughs> seconds of just silence and go, how's it going, Jordan? I'm doing great. 
Yeah, so you like the pot, you like treasure hunt. And then you start accidentally talking over yourself like, oh, shit, I just got to pause. Hold on. <laughs> like I normally do. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, he's oh, he's still talking about the intro. Hold on. Uh, there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, we are in the one year. This is the one year special. This is also because one of my best friends on the Internet, Jack. And it's also to say, hey, folks, guess what? Year two is coming up. Expect more Jack stopping by and talking Jop Jr. <laughs> or um, is that is that a spoiler for what we're talking today? Uh, no, but you should look in your box right now. Um, okay, I'm looking. I'm looking in. Uh, what what I I, I I I do see the things, but I have to pretend I can't see them until you tell me okay, what's in okay. there. So you see a former Queer Eye for the Straight Guy host. Oh wow! I know who that you is. See okay, a cooking competition that came out around the same time as Iron Chef America. Oh wow! Um, really, really big fan of that An show. Elimination wow. ten little Indian style of four, three, two, one, and a ten thousand oh. dollar prize. Oh man, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Top Chef. <laughs> I mean, did I ever tell you the time that Padma, the Top Chef host, actually like once like retweeted me? It was really funny. Oh, really? What 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 was the what was it, it about? Was a few years back, when it was like near the finale, and it was just like I'm a big fan of this Top Chef show because like that is the cooking show everyone watches. And now she's well, like you... more ambivalent on Twitter and just this snarky person that you just love. I mean that's fine. That's fine. Like I'm glad. I'm glad it wasn't for any. Like it wasn't for like a quote retweet. Like oh, this dummy. Look at this slowpoke. <laughs> He's like this guy doesn't know game shows at all. I I, I look. Actually, now that I think about, it, we have yet to really do a food show too. This yeah, also might be no. the first food. I mean, like we have done uh, pseudo food competition shows. Uh, but this is yeah. I think this is as a. Like at at this as of this recording, at least the first you know time game shows I suppose has covered like the increasingly growing large genre of food based uh, game shows, which I will slightly like interrupt for the next two minutes and explain why Chopped is a game show and why all these cooking shows count as a game show. <clears throat> a game show is not necessarily about trivia or quiz. It's simply about a game with a set of rules, a win condition, a lose condition, or just something where everyone's having fun and it can spark the interest of the audience to interact in some regard. Chopped is a game show because of its format of three rounds of play with one player getting eliminated based on the judges, which is no different than Star Search or Gong Show or insert singing competition here. Instead of a talent being a bake, being like a cook, like singing or dancing or acting or cooking or knowing trivia, it is simply being a good chef and using the ingredients at hand. That is like a multi-level like secret ingredient, like Iron Chef, into this bizarre world of biz- like interesting dishes, to say the least. All right. <laughs> yep, that's that's info. So, uh, Jack, this is uh, Chopped. Uh, how familiar are you with Chopped? I'm immensely familiar. I, I've been watching this show, I feel like, since the first year it was out. I Just to kind of clarify, I've been watching Food Network since I was probably a little kid. I grew up through the variety of eras. I would watch this with my grandmother. I'd watch this with my sister. I'd watch this all the time. I saw the era, the rise and fall of Paula Deen. 
Emerald Live. Um, Jack, you are you know, all younger than me. You remember like when it was the two fat ladies, right? It was two fat ladies, then Emerald, then the Iron Chef. Uh, you know, uh, that, that Rachel Ray show about like not paying for anything over like $20, $40 a day. You and know, you notice the tip that always pissed me off. <laughs> the yeah, no, that's no, that always that always made me laugh. A dollar no, so, nine. And, wow. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's just like, wow, good job. I I feel I feel so thankful for her. No, and, and then, then she gives like those yeah. shitty advices. Like, and the best thing is sometimes like, you know, you see a burger, you can just say, can I have a half of it? <laughs> and then obviously, like, you know, this was also around the time when I was watching a whole lot of Iron Chef, the original, you know, English dubbed Iron Chef, where I... To this day, I wish they made a Blu-ray release of that so I could... I would buy... If it was 200 bucks, I'd pay for it. Like, I would totally like love it. series for 200 bucks. Yeah, for 200 bucks. Because there's, there's a shitload of episodes. I would... I'd pay for it. I Even if it wasn't the dubbed version, I'd, I'd be happy just to have, like, a an accessible like version. Like, a la cuisine! And that's it. Yeah, no, I want, I want that shit. Because that's... There is uh, something... That's the one thing I will say that no other cooking competition show has ever gotten for me, which is that air of mystery. Like there's this allure of like how Kitchen Stadium was like this esteemed honor. Like you're here like as a warrior, like you are here to compete in what is essentially like a shonen like tournament against like one of the like like three like great warriors. Like there's there's a whole lot of anime and Iron Chef that you don't see in other shows. But gr- granted that, like, Food Network would then go on very heavily inspired by Iron Chef to make a shitload of shows, like, a shitload of game shows. Like, that's the problem. Like, Food Network nowadays is not really, like, here's the lady in the studio telling you how to make food. It's now become the Game Show Network Food Edition. So, and there's an interesting thing. Like, uh, I came in here... Um, with essentially what I would describe it as the, the for a food network, they have like those game shows, but I think what they focus on is the ratio between game show to food. And I feel like a good, like for, not just for food network, but for me personally, a good ratio to have is how much time is spent showing off the cooking and showing off tasty food, as opposed to like game showness and game show bullshit. Hey, like the hey, more I'm all about yeah. game show bullshit. <laughs> I am about game show bullshit too, but there is a limit to the point where it's like, oh, it's not about the food anymore. It's just about the gimmick. I think there is a an important balance that makes a show like that be successful, especially on Food Network, because there are people who tune into Chopped, the show that we're going to talk about, that don't view it as a game show. They view it because they like cooking and they like to see the food. So you have to appeal to both audiences because there are folks earlier in the day because how Food Network works now is that earlier in the day is the cooking shows like the actual like sit down, hon, I'm gonna make oh, our pioneer woman exactly uh, like the replacements for Paula Dean and Rachel Ray like all those you know they all those folks who are doing all the cooking in the morning and then after work is when the game show shit flies in. And that's chopped, or like the tra- uh, yeah, or like the travel show, like the Guy Fieri, like diners, you know that diners, like obvious bar- burgers, a uh, brew and queue, uh, like it, like any any tra- anything that probably was a, either was pitched to the Travel Channel didn't quite work out and made its way to Food Network. Bizarre, what was that? Carnival Eats we saw that one time. Carnival Eats was on the Cooking Channel. There was ginormous food, Ugh. <laughs> ginormous food with Josh Denny, the the most vile. 
recent program of the Foop Network, honestly. And a piece of shit on Twitter, too. <laughs> no, just over, overall, overall bad guy. But we're, again, we're... We're getting, I'm getting a little off track, obviously, but I, I just wanted to point that out because I think Chopped, uh, that show, I think, does an excellent balance in terms of how it functions as a game show and how it functions as a show about cooking food on the Food Network. And me, I'm still saying, like, I'm a Cutthroat Kitchen guy because I love Alton Brown, the science. Oh, I love Cutthroat Kitchen, but I, I understand why. <laughs> but I understand why that show's not still running, but Chopped still is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and Chopped, I would say, is not just like a good competition show. It is the hallmark cooking competition show, aside from maybe Top Chef. Yeah, there is there is a fucking reason why this show has been on for so dang long. Can I tell you and when it that, first premiered? Um, can I take a guess? Yes. What it was it like? Two thousand eight. Close. January thirteenth, two thousand nine. Okay, I because I, I I remember watching the two thousands. That's why I was like, it's. It's it's a decent. Sh- oh wait, so it's ten years old now. It is. Just realized that old. it is ten years old. Not only that, they only had so little episodes at the beginning of Chopped. Like imagine just like ten episodes, and they're thinking, yeah, okay, this isn't gonna last because Iron Chef. It's gonna get the Iron Chef comparisons because they didn't really do a lot of cooking competition. It was all Iron Chef and Iron Chef America. Well, they had that, and they had like the Food Network star. That remember that whole thing? Oh yeah, that's actually uh, what sparked Cutthroat Kitchen, uh, and what sparked one of the guys grocery games games. Yeah, I mean it, it got Guy Fieri the career. So if it wasn't for Food Network star Minute to Win, it would have never existed. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so thank you, thank you, next Food Network star. I I never liked that show. I I don't know, you know, who I I'm, I don't know if that'll ever be on game shows I suppose, it be, but it I, is technically it's a tri- it's a talent competition series. It is, but I it's like I'm curious if you would you would even want to watch it cuz it's just kind of I would watch I agree we saw Guy Fieri. Osit. Fun with, fact. Like, we saw- fun fact about that show. Uh Reggie, the guy who was up against Guy Fieri that season, uh was once like a like a guy I talked to at a county fair once and he was making like pecan pies and it was like the nicest sweetest guy and it's like this is a guy who lost to guy fieri and this is like the year after this sucks <laughs> i mean guy it's like guy fieri's got the energy that's just you know sometimes it's it's hard to beat and it's the meme man because the pineapple hair the, the he's got shirts. personality that's he he pops the he's, he's a, off the hook there's a there's a reason there's a reason why he stuck around uh so there is so here's a weird part ready uh, there has been uh, interesting ways of looking at this. So they had a the t- we can go with the first the the classic Chopped. Then there's the spinoffs like Chopped Junior and Chopped Champions, which was like a sixteen uh, contestant tournament for fifty grand. That's right. And sometimes they do that with the all stars, like the let's get the Food Network chefs in or the judges. And then there's also like the mini spinoffs, like they'll do things like the Grill Masters, where they get out of their regular like set and they go like an outdoors area and they have like a bunch of grills. And it's like to me, I don't care much for the like I'm I'm a purist. I'm a purist with the format, but I can understand why they come up with that because Food Network has to do so, so many gimmicks like. It's it's summer. We have to do grilling. You know, Fourth of July tailgate. We have to do a tailgate episode. So it's all themed around football. Like I get it because it's like 
I mean, obviously, if you have a show that successful, the the one deep fear you have the longer the show is going is the like, oh, shit, did we cover every single food idea at this point? And it's like you don't need to do that with Chopped. I, I'm I'm one of the smart believers of I think Chopped works best when it's kind of like a grab random ingredients and say, make this. Chopped's benefit is that it's been running for so long that they could repeat um, like episode themes and no one would fucking know because it's not like it's that easy to go through like the catalog and go, aha, they did this twice. You have I- used uh, bacon, ostrich eggs, uh, Sour Patch Kids, which they would say is like sour gummy candy. <laughs> yeah, that that's that other trademark of the show. They don't say the brands so they have to keep making up, you know, just like, oh, yeah, they they sure did get some chocolate vanilla cookies. Mm, I sure love uh, cheddar cheese flavored puff snacks. Mmm, yum, yum. That's to be confused with the brand. Nope. <laughs> Oh, please, pass me the Corn Krispies. Oh, uh, you have those steamed burger sliders. <laughs> Fast food sliders. So you just went to the, 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 you went to a supermarket, got those frozen White Castle burgers. Oh, uh, don't say that word. Don't, nope. Got some frozen slider hamburger. There you go. And then they have to do the stickers, which I would say big ups to the art department because they are kind of fun. It's just like cartoonish words that say ketchup on them. I remember at one point it used to be like just it just said ketchup and it was just like white on black, <laughs> like just default ketchup. Mm. Now they actually like move on to it. So if you've never seen Shop before and why why aren't you seen Shop? This is actually a really fun show. It is played in uh, one episode for one hour. It's four contestants. They're all chefs of some regard. Like they were on like the, the they're a line cook or they're actually a chef at a restaurant somewhere. You get like a mini backstory, and it's played through three rounds: an appetizer round, an entree round, and a dessert round. Uh, round ones with four players and the appetizers. They all get a black box, and in this black box is it's it's like Iron Chef. It's you don't know. There's mystery ingredients, and then they open it, and you think like, okay, it's going to be like regular fun things like uh like like cheese like like cheese or onion. But instead, they do like curveballs. So it's like if it's an appetizer round, it's like string cheese. And then they would have like bags of Funyuns, but they can't say Funyuns. They would say onion ring uh, snack crackers. And then it would say like a bottle of apple juice and margarita mix. Go mix something. Go. (laughs) And... Then they have to make it in like I think it's thirty minutes. Like thirty minutes is the time limit typically for that. And then of course you see them make the food. They do the confessional because it's a reality competition show, and you have to hear them go, "I'm making uh, fried cheese with onion breadcrumbs and a sauce that's sweet and sour aioli." And they'll and they'll list like the extra ingredients, like the basic extra ones they're adding from the get go. Which I'll say this: the graph, the the actual like like post, you know graphics they're putting on to the screen all look good and it's like they're telling you like hey they use like onion salt and paprika like it's very clear like it's it's i never once like ever go like wait what what's going on because it the the nice thing is that at the end of each round when they're doing the review session where they're presenting the judges their food they always give like a reminder of like chefs i have made this you know it's it's 
it's because of the hour length. They always make sure to repeat it enough times so you're never going like, what, what, what? Do I have to rewind? You know. After the four and the time runs out, they all get to taste it. And you have your variety of judges. And I mean, like, I could go through all the judges of Chopped. Uh, but I mean, Aaron Sanchez, uh, Alex Garnaschelli, uh, Jeffrey Zakarian, Chris Santos. Uh, I, I'm it's like I'm drawing a blank now of like some of the. I mean, they have like a thousand judges that have been on that show, so it's at this point it is at it, it can be kind of hard to remember like who's who. Scott Scott Conant was the one I was thinking of the the douchebag guy that I like is like my favorite one. He's your he's your go-to. He's my favorite because his is always like you know when I want a burger I want something that's meaty and has some vegetables and cheese. But I didn't get much meat on this, and she did. Uh, <laughs> and it's always like about portion control with that guy. And Alex Garner Shelley is just like the it's like I think a food critic, and she's the one everyone kind of knows from Chopped because she's the one that always is, I hate to say like nag. But she's like a nagging judge. She's like, well, you know, I love these sliders. These sliders are really good. But these pickles that you put on the burger, they're a little too big compared to the patty that I kind of am tasting more of pickle than meat. I mean, that's I mean, that stuff is kind of important. Like you want to have like someone to nag or just kind of go off on like the little things because Chopped is supposed to be about like we, we, we are gathering these judges, these these contestants who are able to compete in such rigorous standards and are so good they can make these ingredients that they have to expect like harsh judgment and they, and by the way they knock it out of the park like almost nine times out of ten they knock it out of the park yeah uh, it is very rare it is very rare to like see an episode where someone just makes bad food or if or if miss an ingredient like that always is usually like a a rule is like you can't you have to use all the ingredients in the basket and usually the judges will either judge it very harshly if you don't, or if you uh, screw up. It's like what what's matter? What's worse, a burnt uh, pancake, or you forgot to use fruity pebble cereal? I'm sorry, fruity corn cereal, uh, and it that becomes a fine deliberation. So then, I mean, yeah. So then they do the deliberations. the The contestants have to go in the back room, start talking to each other as if they're friends. No, that's yeah, that's always fun. And then we reveal the eliminated dish, which is under a uh, one, a tray. A little Di- tray. Yeah, they have a dish cover, so they like, which is a smart move because you have like camera camera top focused on that, and you can just do a dramatic whoosh, you know? Because oftentimes, like at a restaurant, you see that happen. That's when you're getting ready to like. Oh, I got this. I, I lit this dish on fire, so that way, like, when it's exposed to the oxygen, you'll go like, "Whoa!" But in this case, it's like the fire is like, "Oh, this person lost." Wow. All right. Which sometimes, which is like, if you're thinking a lot about like a show like American Idol, there are times where you're like, "Oh, I can't believe this person didn't make it through." I thought, I you know, because that's that sort of thing obviously there's no audience you don't get to vote there's no live portion there's no live voting you can't taste test you uh, can't call in and go like i think his food looks good let him let him through keep keep him in keep that daddy in the game soul uh, patrol <laughs> so then someone gets eliminated they reveal the dish and then they have to walk off the set in a really cool corridor fashion where a, like a door like like clear door shows like the chopped uh, butcher knife. Sometimes, sometimes I think they have like a camera shot of like the chopped knife in the wall. Like I think 
some seats because there's like that's like a, a fixture of the set at some point it's the, so it's sometimes the butcher knife in the like, wall it's the clear door closing that shows the butcher knife and then and you'll get like the monologue of like i'm disappointed i thought i did a good job but you know i had a great experience i'll be you know it's this is not the end of my story and then they, not. And, and usually it, they're not because they're like second chance episodes or uh revenge episodes like hey we brought these two because they had a heated rivalry in the final round yeah, no, they just, no, they, they, there's so many varieties of chapters. Like, if you've been on one, it's like, that's your, that's your ticket in through the door. Like, especially if you made a lot of, if you made it to like the dessert round, you're, you're shoe in to come back. Uh, so then I got to bring up some, some fun, uh, notes that I also grabbed. This comes from Wiki, but this is also what Ted Allen said in an interview. The pilot episode of Chopped, which never aired, was crazy as shit really okay let me tell you it wasn't set in that chopped like weird kitchen with like brick walls and looks like you know like a butcher knife area and like a like look doesn't look like a professional kitchen area they set it at the culinary school in art is to new york and it looked like a mansion they had a a guy dress up like a butler with a tuxedo as the host and the entire time he held a chihuahua huh and when someone got eliminated the dish, the losing dish, was fed to the chihuahua. I could see why they did not keep that. Food Network that, found the episode too weird, but liked the format, and that's why they made a straightforward competition show. Yeah, no, they. It's the one time corporate meddling has did a good job because that that sounds like that took place in the Richie Rich manner. Yeah, they made it look like a Richie Rich. Like, well, looks like you've been chopped. The robot, the robot maid comes in like, oh, 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 beep, beep, boop. This dish sucks. Get out. And instead, it's just like actually kind of more fun, casual. It's also a very casual kind of cooking show. They take it seriously and they do like judge like harshly. But like the atmosphere, the cinematography, it's very modern. It's very sleek and it's very casual. Like you can sit back and enjoy it. Like even though all the contestants wear like a uniform, you never the judges they never feel like they have to wear a suit or tie and or a dress. You know they they're they're they can they wear kind of a a business casual usually sort of deal or they're just fashionable like they they were they were something that looks neat uh an episode chop takes 12 hours to record and concluding with deliberations it take about 20 minutes per round uh and it's judge is done by consensus so the judges all have to be unanimous with their i think it should be so and so that's what you know, it's just like jur- it's like it's like jury duty uh, contestants do not know the ingredients in the black boxes ahead of time, but they are given the tour of the kitchen prior to taping. That's how they're so expert at the kitchen and know where all the magic ingredients are and different spices. I mean, you'd want, you'd want to know, like it's, it's again, that's the sort of like a way to avoid game show bullshit is to kind of like get them familiar with the set. So they also preheat their ovens in advance and they also boil water in advance. So if it's a possible, oh, that's, that's, uh, I've always been curious as to like how much time had to be spent for like, Oh, how do we, how long do I have to pre-cook it? I'm curious also like, like, you know, oil, like for the fryer. Yes. That's also pre-made. That is smart. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious what type of oil is typically in there. Cause oil, peanut oil, I'm going to guess peanut oil because it's a higher. Yeah. Peanut oil, peanut oil is a popular one to use, especially if they do episodes, like if they want to fry like some chicken, like peanut oil goes great with that. But yeah, no, so I, that's the type of stuff I always find curious, like what's, what's available, what's not, 
what do you have prepared? What do you have to do? Like, the, obviously, things like the ice cream machine where it's like, yeah. it's on, but, you know. The big cult, the, the, that's one thing people say in the cult phenomenon of Chop, because there's this whole cult audience of Chop is people know the ice cream machine is the is the it's, danger. It's the dangerous thing. It is thing a is. huge gamble. Like, if you pull it off, you pull off something great, but other times it's like McDonald's. You're going in and it's like, oh, it's broke. <laughs> Well, I love that. Like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, that's the one gamble. It's if there's a dessert round, do they do the ice cream maker? And you know, yeah, what I love most is like when there's a judge that's new to Chopped and they're like there for the first time or second time and someone finally does the ice cream machine. They're the one in the in the judge's table just screaming, shouting like, yeah, you did it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I always I, I like it when the judges are just excited that they uh, got things done. And when we were watching tonight's episode, we watched the burger episode of Chopped, a re- more recent episode. And uh, we were thinking here, uh, there's a lot of overlap of Chopped and another familiar television show. A very similar show, um, a show where there is also a lot of food, um, a lot of cooking happening in that show. Of course, we're talking about uh, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, this is Dragon Ball Z, the cooking show. Yeah, it is very much very Dragon Ball inspired. It's, you know, it's it's hard to avoid, but it's it's there. Because, like, from, from everything from, like, the fine around head-to-head showdown where it's the I look, I look to... It's, it's just like Goku and Vegeta staring each other down in the desert. They have their poses ready, uh, except instead of just, like, getting key blasts ready, you got, like, a thing of, like... Um, uh, uh, yellow snack cakes. Yellow at your snack disposal. cakes. Uh, d- delicious pretzel pretzel sticks. Someone's someone's gonna uh can can Goku master the ice cream machine and in time? That, it's like the appetizer round where it's like the big group battle, kind of like you know when it was like the Hercule battle royale tournament kind of situation. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's like you're assembling the great warriors together again, like Iron Chef, like you are assembling like Iron Chef and, and Chopped, like you are assembling these great warriors to compete in our tournament. And then just like Dragon Ball Z or Iron Chef, when they start doing the cooking process, the judges and Ted Allen, who I think we can say is King Kai. In this, yeah, definitely. Is It's just all explaining like what they're doing and, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> or Just giving basic advice. Um, I, I, I honestly, honestly would have loved it if like, just like King Kai, just like psych- psychically, like telling us, it's like, it's like, no, you fool, that's not, that's not what you should be doing. But that's Alex Garner Shelley. That's what she does usually. Like, she's using the, they're using the pre-made dough. Like, that's a real risk there because if it overcooks, it'll burn, and that will not yeah, taste good. <laughs> yeah, that's like commentary from like what Krillin or Bulma would say on the sidelines. Just like I don't, it's like I don't know that. They didn't and clean the it, shrimp before grilling. That that could be costly. It would be funny though if there was like a version of Chopped where like you do the whole competition and then one of the judges stands up. It's like which I guess now that I think about it, that's basically beat Bobby Flay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which to be fair, which uh, hot take on that is a bad show. I do not. I do not like that show oh, at you all. Don't like the idea of here's a people in a head-to-head battle to make the best like fruitcake and then because you won the fruitcake battle you go on against bobby flay in a contest about spaghetti and meatballs 
Yeah, no, and also I, 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 I don't really care for another, like, ego boost for Bobby, Bobby Flay's, like, uh, domination fetish. Like, I, I, just I'm sorry. Just Iron Chef. Like, that's it. He just, like, look, I get it. New York, Iron Chef, Bobby Flay. Personally, and this is my hot take on that, I think they should have never made Iron Chef America. I think they should have just kept doing the Iron Chef in Japan and just made Bobby Flay Iron Chef America for the American cuisine. I mean, I would have liked that too, but I bet the folks, uh, I forget if it was TV Tokyo or whoever owns the original license were probably like, fuck, no, we don't know. You can do what you want in America, but no. Then can we use Miyamoto because he has a dual visa? No, we're, nope. Mm, Please, he's Iron Chef Japan. We can. Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. So, <laughs> so, 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 yeah. So, which it, it is probably for the best that, you know, Chopped remains. Because I guess Chopped is very simple. Like Chopped that's is a puzzle that, game. It's a puzzle solving food show. It is a puzzle solving food show, but at the same time, it is while complex for the chefs cooking. It is immensely simple to watch. There's not you don't have to think too hard about like oh this they're going to do this complex thing like oh what's you know it's it's all to the point. They have this time limit. They're making an appetizer. They're making an entree. They're making a dessert. It's never. And there's, there's always like a main much... protein. It's kind of like the hint. Like, okay, you got to make a like an appetizer and you have uh you have uh let's let just say uh, uh like chicken wings. You have chicken wings in the basket. Then you have like supermarket sushi, like pre-made sushi, and then yeah. you have uh, uh let's go with um let, let, what's those uh I, I I just threw a blank here. The I was going What's the 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 spicy chips we get oh the pocky ghost pepper chips yeah like the pocky ghost pepper chips yeah because spicy chips <laughs> ghost pepper tortilla chips <laughs> go uh meme chips <laughs> and then like uh and then it's always like one like one or two uh ingredients that are a liquid base or a condiment base so a mustard Some baby food uh, right. Which was an, which was the Chop Junior ingredient was baby food. Baby food. And what I like about Chop Junior, and I guess we can talk about that in a brief. I mean, it's really in the a same brief, show. just in case, just in case it gets brought up as its own episode. But yeah, uh, Chop Junior is mostly just chopped. It, that's what I also like about Chop Junior is it does not like water down chopped in any way, other than it's two judges and it's more upbeat and it's kids. Yeah, it's it's very much like a similar tone to like those competition shows where um, it's like Rachel Ray and that other guy, the oh, Rachel versus guy. No, there's there's that one. There's like another one. There's like that. There's like that bald guy that is in a lot of those competition shows. Oh, as a judge. Uh, the, 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 the Ace of Cakes guy, Duff. Yeah, exactly. The Duff guy. Yeah. Yeah, he he does one. I thought with Retroid, maybe it was another lady, but he they do like oh, cooking uh, the, competitions. Oh, the the, the uh, I know what you're talking about Duff, the the worst cooks in America team too. They, they they do that too. That's but but yeah, you know what? But but yeah, that's that's so yeah. Chop Chop Junior's nice. I like honestly, like I don't mind really any of the spinoffs. Like I would not. Obviously, I'm an OG Chop person. I would rather watch Chopped compared to the rest, but. I don't have a problem if I tune in and it's like, oh, you're going to watch the teen tournament where we got like teenagers who all come in and they're going to things might be slightly different in, in terms of pricing or whatever. But, you know, here you go. Like there. I mean, they made a shitload of spinoffs. 
Like, usually the difference between Chopped and Chopped Jr. is it's the two judges are familiar with Chopped and then, like, a celebrity. And it's usually, like, like Meghan Markle was on one episode. Yeah, like, like Meghan I, Markle, yeah. the princess. <laughs> like, uh, you know, just, like, whatever, whoever you have available. Like, that's, which I always find interesting. Just, like, who, who's who got time to come in? It's like, hey, do you want to, like, do you, do you have, like, tw- you know, do you have, like, a day to spend? Jack, do you have a day to spend for a Chopped episode? I would, I would love to be a Chopped judge. I'm... I, as much as I would want to, I feel like I'm too picky of an eater. Like I, I feel like there'd be some things where I, I don't think I'd be a good judge for. So I mean, unless I knew ahead of time, like, oh, we're doing one about like cakes. Oh, like or cake some... episode. Yeah, if there was a dessert show, I would definitely pick. The... If there was a dessert show, I would be, I'd be all in. I'm like, yeah, why not? But not if it's just it, like, no. <laughs> actually, that's yeah, more comedic. No. Um... I'll also do Iron Chef. I think Iron Chef as well, even though you're eating like 10 dishes that are all the same ingredient. I mean, yeah, that's... But, oh boy, but I mean, it's again, all ingredients with horseradish. Delicious. <laughs> Great. Uh, but I mean, again, that's the, that's the benefit of like having a million people on standby. You could have... You have the ones you have as your go-to, like you mentioned, like at the beginning. But then you have like, oh, we have this rando celebrity. Come on in. We got Alex Wasabi. <laughs> wow can you can you believe it wow and then and of course then you have like and the specials where do you have like the celebrities as like contestants or as like there's like the one where i showed you once that you hated which was the internet stars one i fucking that was the one you wanted i think that was the one you wanted to talk about tonight and it sparked no this. no because no that that that's not a standard episode like that wouldn't be fair I guess to be to be to be uh, to explain we the episode we watched was an episode called like Epic Burgers, which is which is fun for Jordan because he's a he's he loves he loves his burgers. Good night hamburgers. Me on Twitter. Hamburger Haas. He loves his hamburgers. So it was, uh, you know, it would have been wrong and rude of me to go. We're going to watch this episode that does not reflect the show. And it's going to have a bunch of people that Jordan either doesn't know or he has very um negative opinions on i are you saying i hate internet celebrities i'm saying that you um may may hold a grudge against specific internet celebrities i'm not saying anyone's name out loud i justine but i don't know what you're talking about yeah i mean whatever and so that's so that's so we a- saw a ch- it was a gimmick episode though because it was burger themed but it was theoretically because they still even though it was burger themed it was still an appetizer entree dessert round yeah no so they, they and it was not a grill master so this was a it was this was in the regular set they had same same rules they're all they're all in the kitchen and they're all preparing that shit as of this recording by the way according to wikipedia they are now on their 44th season I mean, to be fair, like, they're not, it's like, they're not, like, full-length seasons all the time. It's 13 like episodes they, per season, so. Yeah, no, so it's, you know, it's the same vein of, like, there's some shows out there that have, like, really short, you know, seasons. So when the people see, like, oh, my God, like, how how much can you do? And it's like, honestly, you could do a lot, especially, like, for Food Network that, for a good portion of their time, does a lot of reruns. There's a lot of syndicated television on Food Network, so and because it's they benefit. It's been on for a decade now at this point. Like it's usually a rerun that they put on. Like I'm always surprised. Yeah, they have like one day where they'll show a new episode. And other than that, it's just like no, we'll have like six hours. Kind of. It's. I mean, honestly, like Chopped is like their SpongeBob. <laughs> now, what would you rather watch, Chopped or Sponge? 
I mean, I'll say this. There's no, it's not like there's an era of Chopped where I'm like, oh, that's an era you can skip. I don't, to my knowledge, there's not an era like that. There's no like, it's like, oh, we decided for fun that we're going to have all of our, our judges act a lot raunchier or, you know. Oh, that's Chopped after dark when they're all going to do double entendres and Ted Allen's like, your ingredient is a really big salami. You know, so that sort of thing like that, that did not happen. So, so, so I, w- I would probably recommend Chopped over SpongeBob in that case. Same goes for like, you know, Teen Titans Go. I'm like, ah, I'd rather watch Chopped. Now, are you ready for some interesting things? Uh, the creators of the show. Can I tell you about some of the uh, early other works they've done? Because it's okay. Alinda uh, Lee is one of the first ones besides making Chopped. Uh, she's also behind uh, shows like Rachel versus Guy Celebrity Cookoff, which you already brought up. Yeah, Sweet Genius, which is one of my favorite shows. That was kind of like Choppa with desserts with Robert Israel, and that was just great. Uh, okay, I think I remember that one. And uh, I think she might have the connection to Ted Allen because she was an executive producer for one episode of Queer Eye back in the two thousands. Oh, the old school. Old school. Also, uh, Rachel Ray's Kids Cookoff in two thousand. And yeah, I, a show I, called I, Love at First Swipe, which I have never seen. Love uh, at First Swipe. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I think I remember seeing like a YouTube trailer for that show, and I remember going like, no. I mean, to be fair, I feel like I've seen a. I remember a lot of times a trailer for a show more than the show itself. Oh, it gets. I, I remember. <laughs> yeah, it gets weirder. Okay, so then Dave Knoll. Dave Knoll, uh, also from Chopped has created a few other game shows, including America Says, Game Show Network's show, uh, Face oh. the Truth, which is a talk show that's in syndication right now, Punchline, which is like a comedy about current events show, um, mm-hmm. Chopped After Hours, which I guess exists, um, and then there's Rocco's Dinner Party, Fandemonium, and she and it's connected to, uh, to the other producer because of the Chris Wilde show starring Chris Wilde on Comedy Central. Neat. Remember that mm, so, Chris so, Wild guy? So so far, I feel like ch- they they peaked at Chopped. Is you know, what I'm. I'm not saying they peaked at Chopped yet, because the last one's Michael Krupat. That's the third and final creator. And there okay. is great shows like Webheads on Nickelodeon. Uh huh. Brain Rush, that great show on Cartoon Network. Remember that? Nope. That was the show that was on when they did Seeing Real and they had the kids do roller oh, coaster. Oh, yeah. Cartoons aren't just cartoons. Cartoons can be real life. And then and I, it was the show where they took it Knott's Berry Farm and they just had uh, Lamore just go people on roller coasters and just ask trivia questions to kids. I rem- Oh, yeah. That was I the one that had my famous clip of I like to draw manga, which is like Japanese <laughs> cartoon. No, I remember that. I remember... I remember commercials for that. Again, this was that was that Name was an era of Cartoon Cartoon Network. So you expect to see <laughs> nothing. No, I I remember that being a very dark time Are for you society. Hearing what I said, hearing what I said, hearing what I said, we're showing more than just cartoons. The man, other I, siders, dude. What would happen? That <laughs> was a sign that like destroy. which is the game show. Chi- yeah, no child. <laughs> That was the sign that my childhood had ended. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? I want to watch Chopped instead. In the final, uh, Michael Krupp had created show is Your Mama Don't Dance. A you should have made Your Mama Don't Dance. show for moms dancing. Well, clearly, they he, he had a <laughs> second swing. Did he make that before Chopped? 
Uh, yes. Uh, well, 2009 versus 2008. So, yes. One yeah, year no, prior. I, th- I chopped, chopped. Uh, I think he, he found the mom audience correctly. Uh, according to this, Chopped was 2007, but I don't believe that. I, I will listen. I'm sure maybe 2007 they had, like, a patent or, like, a an idea pitch ready, but not, like, a filmed thing. Ted Allen has been the show's host since his inception, according to this. He is my, um... Of all the Food Network game show hosts, he is my favorite. He, well, that's because he is a food and wine expert on, on, on uh, Queer Eye. So of course, he's classy. And he's classy. He kind of reminds me of the warden in uh, Super Jail. <laughs> Just because it's like this irrelevant, quirky uh, personality. And then it's like whenever he brings up the ingredients, there's always that sometimes that level of like not only like an insincere journalistic vibe, but then when it's like, one random ingredient that makes no sense in this competition. Like, no, I, like you're yeah. in the dessert round. Like, pretend we're in the dessert round. <clears throat> you got chocolate chips, pecans, gummy bears, and a delicious uh, fried okra. And then he says, like, fried okra. <laughs> no, he has a, he, he does the pitch thing right. He is... I mean, I feel like it, it's, it's one of those things where, like, he do, he's done this show for so long, he knows how to do it. It's just, it's just so much fun. <laughs> he goes in there. He's having a fun time. Uh, there's no, like, it would be, I would be, I, I don't think I could watch Chopped the day he is no longer the host on that show. That is like, yeah, that's like a Trebek. Like, you can't watch Chopped without him. You can't watch Jeopardy without Trebek. Exactly. I mean, I, and I understand that, like, obviously, they've been long-running shows, you know. I mean, you look at Price is Right. At this point, like, there are people who accept Drew Carey as, like, the host of that show. Like, it is, even though there are forums uh, out there that would probably, uh, scream at you if you were to suggest that they have male models now jack male models yeah no so it's it's like i can (laughs) i can understand again like i understand that like long-running shows change out hosts it can be very jarring jack you don't understand they have microphones on the models and they talk now oh oh lord how how dare they (laughs) so it's so, so yeah, obvi- obviously I am. Uh, I I would I I would I would give uh, the show a chance if they had to change the host for whatever reason, death or otherwise. But I well, that you know that's again, a good question. It, I was not. I did not save that for the lightning round. I did say I did, but that's a good question. Like if they couldn't get Ted Allen, who would they would you would love to have as a chop? Well, I mean, I guess. Host? I guess that depends if they're still going to keep the show the same. Like, yeah, like, no, imagine still... the format's still the same. Like, open the black box, four, three, two, one. Like, I guess that, because it's like, if you're looking at that level then of like, you know, we need to find, not like someone who costs way too much money, but just like maybe someone with maybe the right amount of familiarity. Like, oh, they used to be on this show and now they're here, which obviously you don't I, I would not say not chris hardwick no no well, you <laughs> like, can get alex garner shelley because she is the judge like the long-standing judge on that show i mean yeah honestly like i could i could i could see that happening but at the same time i i like her in a consistent judge seat like i, I more alton brown i would say like an alton brown kind of character. alton brown as much as i would like that he has already kind of hosted enough food never game shows where i would rather see someone else like obviously no way i would want bobby flay no way i would want like duff or i you would prefer familiar like, food network people i don't like because that's just it like 
the thing that makes Chopped work is that you have a host there that you don't really see in any of the other Food Network stuff. He is here as the Chopped Man, and that's it. <laughs> He's the Chopped he guy. Not- he shows up for Chopped, and then sometimes best thing I ever ate, and that's it. Yeah, no, he just, you do not, like, waste your time, like, in other shit. Like, you're, you have him here, he does his thing, he leaves. That's, that's it. So that's what I would want the same thing here. I don't want someone who does, like, 10 billion game shows. I don't want, you know, I want, I want, yeah. my job, I can't do that. (laughs) I can't just jump. You could. I mean, you're, you're not... I mean, I, granted, you would have to be, like, on a show that got canceled or whatever and then be back in, like, 20 years. Because the thing is, like, like, about, like, Ted Allen is that he's he's kind of have, like, this kind of age aspect about him that's appealing. Like, he's not young, but he's not, like, super old. Like, he's... It's, he like, the right... Like journalistic vibe. I was like, like, Anderson Cooper. Like, if that makes sense. Anderson like, Cooper would be a good fit, but I will say, like, it would be very jarring if Anderson Cooper quit cnn and then immediately went back to doing game show hosting again i would be <laughs> i did the bowl and now i am talking about mole sauce inside I mean, gra- this I mean, black gra- box i mean granted there was an era of time where arnold schwarzenegger couldn't be he was in government but now he's back so <sighs> i mean anderson cooper could do the same thing he could just decide even though he he's made so much fucking money at this point why why the hell would he go back to game shows I have. I think yeah, I'd I feel like be like a like a one of those mas- like Master Chef judges, like a, not Ramsey, but like a Graham or a. Because it's like it's like you want you want someone just kind of like nice. Because obviously, like like Dark Horse is like something like I want Jesus and Maroda. <laughs> but then, like when someone uses the ice cream maker, you can just hear them both go, "Yo!" <laughs> Like if you want, if you want to change shop from like kind of low key to suddenly having like a it, like a fucking like adrenaline shot like in the heart, <laughs> like that that's personally I want you these American all your ingredients in this bodega. <laughs> no, no, you know they need to br- bring back Cutthroat Kitchen, but have these Zamira host. That's <laughs> that's that to me. That's what I would want, but that's. Again, it's, I'm not sure who would be a good replacement for Ted Allen. Like, if I, I think it should just be I, Ted Allen. I think you're right. This is like a show that's perfect for both of them. I, yeah, I just think that Ted Allen is is like such a great fit. I can't really think of like it, any. It, it's a cerebral puzzles show. It's a like I said, I keep saying it's a puzzle because you see all these ingredients and you have to think up the food that would best associate all these flavors. And you know who I could judges. It's like, I didn't really taste much of the mustard. I didn't really taste much of, of the sour cream. You made bananas in this burger, but I don't really taste banana. You know, I bet Ann Robinson could do a good job. <laughs> the watchdog. You know, I'm trying to do the, the weakest, weakest link. Here. The weakest link lady. I- you know, we're still trying to work out the weakest link. I'm still thinking... That's the show. I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, Ann Robinson doing it would be funny. I but. feel like she, 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 at least when I remember the weakest link, like she has like a similar flair where you could have like someone who could be very like, like honest and then like strict at like a moment's notice, like just like going very critical. Cause again, you're talking like that journalistic a- attitude or who, who was the host of like that Nick news? Linda. Remember Ellerby. Nick- yeah. Where, what are they up to? Linda Ellerby uh, resigned from Nick News. I think he is still working only for, like, election stuff. Um, I think she just does stuff. I think the last time she did anything in the spotlight was a book for, like, 
look like for little girls to do reporting journalism and advocacy for breast cancer awareness. So perfect for Chopped. Yes. De- de- definitely, definitely like the right. It's like for for one, she's like, I need a fucking break. I'm going to host Chopped. It's, you can't do Meredith Vieira. <laughs> you can't have like her. Do- Can you expect her to try and explain like habanero peppers or? Um, I mean, you just ask the question. The judge explained it for you. I mean, that's how it goes. So. Usually, like Ted Allen's the one that usually goes like, "So this is an interesting agree." Not a lot of people know arugula uh, can also be used. It's like he gets the he gets the ball rolling, and then you get like you, you try to get one of the judges to go like, "Yeah, I cook. <laughs> I know something." So this is uh, so you had taco shells, but you also had uh, you also had a quid kid. Qu- you had frozen TV dinner. Uh, what would you have done, Judge, if you had these ingredients? Well, um, I guess I would uh, have my microwave ready and <laughs> just have to reheat this this brownie in the TV yeah, dinner. Yep. Yeah, well, here we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, Chopped is such a fantastic show. Uh, you talked about like when you last watched Chopped was on the airlines. Uh, yes, uh, they often have. Uh, if you're ever flying like on Delta, for example, they depending on how long the flights are, you will often see like episode Food Network shows on there. Depending, you know, depending on the time of year, and usually you'll have either Chopped or Chopped Junior on there. And it's not a bad show to watch on the flight. No, because it's like it's an hour long. Um, you can um, you can just tune in. Uh, you can. Fast forward through maybe parts you're like, oh, I, I maybe, maybe if it's like, oh, I know what's going to happen here. Uh, skip, skip. Uh, don't care about this part. Skip over like the table scenes, but they're all ch- talking like boring. Nope. <laughs> just want to see that. I just want to, I just want to see the cooking part. And I just want to see the result. I want to see who gets chopped. Nothing else. Just like, who wins. That's all I care about. It's like, who wins the 10 grand? I want to see chopped Kai. Like, just get <laughs> short. <laughs> Congratulations, Seth Jack. Remo- remember, <laughs> remove the filler. <laughs> so you really just want to watch the, ch- you just want to uh, just see like the Chop the Bridge series <laughs> is what you're saying. Just this. Yeah, no, let's, uh, I want like a bunch of rando voices. I, I want like, I don't, I don't know who you'd get on to do like weirdo impersonations, just like Ted, Ted, Ted Allen now, uh, is they're going to make him sound like Tim Allen or something. <laughs> <laughs> so it just instead of just anything else he just goes ur, 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 and that's it it's like you forgot an ingredient what? <laughs> and then it's just al borland is i don't think so too you just you just you keep you keep getting a bunch of weird memes added in there and there you go there's chopped abridged we did Perf- it we survived we just made the hot new internet series you're, I'd watch an episode of Chopped a Bridge, wouldn't lie. I would I'd be curious if I ever see that on my uh timeline, I will give a listen, because that is brave material. Did you have any like didn't you have like a hot take too, or did you or was that the Bobby Flay? Um, I mean my big thing was the like ratio, like the talking about like what is exactly the the balance you want to have on a food network competition. And I think I like I like I mentioned, like Chopped is that perfect mix. Uh, I think, like, yeah. The last one was you brought. We had I had no takes here. Uh, you also brought up that women get eliminated a lot on the shows. Yeah, my when I was watched this with my grandmother, she would often say like she would notice that like a lot of times women on the show tend to get eliminated uh, a lot faster than the men do. And I, 
I don't have, I don't think to my knowledge, there is like a chart of like who gets, who's on the show, who gets eliminated per episode. Like, I would be curious if there was like anyone ever did a study of like, you know, is, is chopped actually like more, do those judges prefer the men to go on more than women? Like I, I would be curious if anyone, I'm not personally, that's a lot of work that I don't have time for. But if anyone listening to this might be interested in getting that ball rolling, I'd be curious to see if that's, you know, true bias or not. Because you, Jordan, you said that you've noticed that too. I've so I feel like it happens all the time. And I want, I'm led to believe, would it have been better if, like, Tedge's, like, if you didn't hear the voices of the people explain the food, and it was like a blind taste test, and then that's like, put your behind the dish, and that dish is eliminated, kind of like... uh cooks versus cons where it's just like you don't know who's the cook and who's the con i mean it's the challenge is that they have to judge the contestant themselves too because the contestant when they're showing off their food have to explain their actions and they also have to tell a certain aspect of why they're there and what they'll use the money for which is always the weirdest thing is like i because it was like we've always like hear the same ones it's like i I better place because landlord sucks uh vacation with the family yeah, it's like I've I I would be curious if there was ever a case of like someone being on that show being a complete dick but making like the best food, like oh, just saying they would, like that's, they would get more casted for Cutthroat Kitchen, obviously. But I could definitely I mean they see would, that. but it's like I would have to I would be curious like how far you could go through like chopped like playing the villain like playing an absolute. So I saw Chef Mark's dish and I was like, God, that looks like shit. It's not like, better you know, than like, my macaroni and cheese. Like like a Big Brother contestant. Like if a Big Brother contestant knew how to cook really well, was I'm on here chopped. to make friends. I'm here to win ten thousand dollars. So that's why I made a delicious flatbread pizza with uh with beef jerky on there. <laughs> like, do you try to like do you? It's like, do you not tell someone you're running behind them and cause them to trip up? Like. <laughs> Like is like, like I'm curious like what rule if there is a code of conduct rule I'm uh, again this is the type of stuff you don't know there's no like like uh, Ted Allen does not have like his uh by like you know like a ten com- chopped commandments saying like you know Val must not be a dick Val which I remember I remember there was like a woman who was like she called herself was, like the spice lady on Chopped who was like really mean. And then she got eliminated pretty early. And I was curious, like, I was like, I wonder if, like, she was just so rude that they didn't want to bother with her. I know what happened in, like, early seasons was one time someone took someone else's plate accidentally. And that was, like, an uh-oh. But that was because they were sharing, like, a, like the oven and sharing the stove. And that's why oh. you've noticed later seasons they spread it out a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I, I am very curious. Like, because I, I, I bet that contributes. Like, I wonder if there's, like, here at Chopped, we have expectations for the chefs that come here. You are to be yeah, professional. No. You are. We don't. We don't do drama here. This is not Cutthroat Kitchen. Know. Maybe Cutthroat Kitchen. There has to be drama because that show is all about betrayal, and that show is all about you know dicking someone over. And whereas this, Chopped is not, not about dicking someone over. It really, is just like, uh, but it's not even. But it's not Bake Off levels of of sweetness. Which is also no, it's not. It is. It's you know. It's it's like a pr- it's like business professional. Like you're going in there. Like you're working. Like this is work. You are here to 
work on this 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 dish for these professional judges like it is like it is it is a competition in the purest sense like they're you're not competing and have it's not like oh i'm it's like i win if i have a fun time like no i win if i get the 10 grand like they're 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 here they're not no one's here to mess around like they're taking it seriously they're taking it seriously and it's also very creative too and a lot of times it's like they're actually like putting themselves on the plates kind of like their personality too yeah no that's which i always find interesting is them just like pushing putting themselves out there and being encouraged to go weird like do which helps with the show like the show benefits from having wild takes on dishes and like attempting wild things like i'm gonna try to make a cake in 30 minutes you know that sort of thing like people people like to see when contestants like put their whole ass out there in the like for for ten thousand bucks like they that makes for good tv and they always like try to say that whole like comfort zone thing like gotta step out your comfort zone and make this dish and it's like no because the whole idea is because you're out of your comfort zone you eat shit and it's like an awful like weird dish but I mean, sometimes getting out of your comfort zone gets you an instant, like, get to the next round. Because sometimes, like, if you're out of your comfort zone and you make something really damn good, it's, like, high risk, high reward. Like, you could you could easily, like, like as long as you don't, like, fuck up, like, oh, uh, I, I did not, like, get rid of all the fish gills or, uh, you know, that sort of thing. That's I cooked the meat right. You it's, could... like, get your basic ass, like, expectations out of the way, but also get your flavors out there. Make yourself memorable. And I think that's why uh, Chopped is just like a Hallmark kind of game show. And that's why I think I honestly, and all honestly, the viewers. I'll say this. I, I, I disagree on that segment because I, I think the key difference is that I think Chopped, unlike a lot of Hallmark shows, has a lot of actual personality. Like <laughs> Chopped, ch- the thing about Chopped is that Chopped has stakes and a lot of things in Hallmark don't. You don't go, you don't go into Hallmark, a Hallmark program expecting and fearing that something's going to go wrong. Like there's too much losing happening and chopped for a Hallmark reviewer to take. Then what do we say? Like the, the hall of fame, a, uh, a longevity show, a golden show. Uh, like, like if they found a way to make, you know, great British bake off for Hallmark, but somehow ensure that no one loses like that would be, I mean, that is a Hallmark food competition show. But they all have like to that. be very, like, the same cookie. Like, they couldn't even deviate either. Yeah, no, they have to make, like, a sugar cookie. Not They can't have too much color on the icing. And it has, it has to be to... circle. It has to be a sugar. And it has, yeah, to, it has to be a, be a circle, sh- A too. circle or, or and one, maybe one star because <laughs> it's Christmas. And that's it. You can't. And if you put too much colored icing, then, then we will have to deduct points. But it's okay because well, no one's going home this week. No one's going home this week or any week on our Hallmark, and I, and they can't call and they wouldn't call it like chopped on Hallmark because that's too violent. On on Hallmark, uh, on on Hallmark raised because we're raising up your spirits and we're raising up the the dough in the ovens. Yeah, no, that's the sad. Sadly, that's probably like something weird like that would that would work that work or it's just like Hallmark presents uh Christmas bake Christmas. Christmas in the kitchen. <laughs> Christmas in the kitchen, hosted Christmas by in the kitchen. your favorite uh, Hallmark Channel celebrities. Yeah, like this guy and Rando Lady. Oh, you hi! Know. I'm from Billionaire Buys Christmas, and I'm from All I Want for Christmas is Jesus. And don't and don't forget about this little rascal. It's it's Christmas with the puppies. 
Look at this dog. He's wearing antlers like a reindeer. Isn't that cute? Yeah. Isn't that cute, folks? Say, so, is there anything else you want to talk about with Chopped? I know we didn't really... We didn't talk about the episode we really watched, because granted, like, Chopped is so broad, it's you don't broad really... Episode. You can't really just like, oh, well, this is a burger episode. They all made burgers. Like, that's about all you can really describe in this show. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, but it's more of the coolness of the box and ingredients. And also, it is that mystery aspect. Like, on Iron Chef, it's all ingredients on one aspect like it's all duck it's all spinach it's all tomato yeah on this show there's like you can do four or five things and that's why i think the show works so well is i think you can just randomly grab four or five things and you got an episode that's like okay yep. so okay appetizer uh ketchup uh candy uh <laughs> you go you go, you go into guys grocery games and you pick out some stuff from there and you bring it to the chop set and it's like okay i got my stuff here you go and you're done that's it. Like, just, that's all just, you need to do on Unchopped. There's not a lot of... I'm sure there's some thinking that goes into the ingredients because you need to have like a sweet, a heat, a, a taste palette. You can't do like an unnecessary combination. You have to obviously have things that, you know, you can't do ingredients that would potentially kill people. Like you, you can't probably don't bring puffer fish. <laughs> so I made Ma- like a fugu parfait. Uh, <laughs> because the, yes, the last thing you need is that the last thing you want to deal with is like a chef in thirty minutes trying to prepare puffer fish, like or anything poisonous. Like no, and syrup of Apotec. What you don't want to just yeah, don't randomly give someone a bomb and tell them to disarm it before you <laughs> give it to someone. So uh, what are you going to do with that pork belly? Uh, try not to get people sick with the fugu that you gave me. If I kill someone with my bad take, do I have to go to jail or am I just chopped? Uh, well, you'll just be chopped. We, but we were. Hold- oh no! <laughs> That's even worse than jail. <laughs> and plus, like it's it's also cute, and also like it's ten thousand dollars, so it's relatively low stakes and high stakes. Like it's just ten grand. Like it's the it's this it's what I call the uh, game show minimum nowadays for the top prize. Yeah, it's like 10, 10 grand is not like super duper big compared to like, you know, a lot of famous game shows. Like it's not no million dollars, but $10,000 can make a big difference in someone's like life. like you can pay the rent for a few days or buy a cool equipment or it's it's it's, it's, it's what I call it's, it's fuck money. That's why I call it fuck money because it's like you can't really put it on the down payment of a house. But you can definitely go to a vacation somewhere or you can, or you can buy yeah, it's, you can buy yourself some very nice kitchen equipment for your restaurant or something. Clothes, like like some. It's a fuck. It's it's weird money. It's like the fu- it's the fun splendor money. It's get a restaurant set up. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, the restaurant setup stuff. Like you can buy some furniture for a restaurant. Like that, that's what works. And that's what I like. Chopped is a Chopped is a good show. You can watch that over and over again. It's it's the appeal of that, and I think it's just every combination of it works. From the judges to Ted Allen to the casting of the of the chefs to the mystery basket that basically is just like what's ever in some college kid's uh, cupboard and more. Uh, this is going to be interesting, Jack, because normally, because uh, we're about to slowly turn away from the uh, speed rounds. Uh, this is this is like one of the last speed rounds of of really we're no more speed rounds because because we're going into groups so if we're going to go into the groups and returning champions speed rounds are only going to be there periodically i guess so um but this is going to be uh one of the last speed rounds because we're approaching the end of year one 
Uh, so five questions, 60 seconds will be on the clock for each one you get right. It's a plug. Uh, no, <laughs> I think I'll just um, keep that for like not regulars will be getting the speed rounds. Everyone else will be getting something even more dangerous. Oh, that's fun. It'll just be like one question, but it's like one of those serious dumb questions. Uh, okay. All right. So you want to play? Of course you I do. I mean, I don't have a choice. Yeah, I don't have a choice. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Let's put six seconds on the clock. What's in the black box? The black box? Oh, it's um, a big thing of sugar, sugar, um, molasses worms. It is um, some, uh, it is a, t- it is triangular nacho cheese chips. It is um, col- col- classic cola soda pop. And I don't know, some, um, a, f- a thing of YOLOs. <laughs> Favorite Rolo- shop yeah, Rolos, judge. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite chopped judge. Um, you know, it's you know, it is it is tough. Um, there, there's some, there, there's so many, there is so many, you know, great folks on there. I think I have to go with Alex. Uh, I, I think she's my go-to. Favorite food number star. G- guy, go with guy, guy Fieri. He's uh, he's a classic, classic hero. Can't <laughs> can't have food network without him at this point. Appetizer, entree, or dessert? Dessert. Favorite host of Fun Time Calls. Thrilly. I'm sorry. That's five? I thought you were going to give me four. Five? You got five for five. Okay. Wow. The the judges are wrong in this. I'm assuming they're wrong. It's five? (laughs) It's five. Okay. Well, okay, Jack. You won five. Oh wow! It's what what an honor! I can't can't believe I'm going to win ten thousand. Oh, I don't win the ten thousand. I just five plugs, which is 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 as dramatic as five free plugs. Uh, five free plugs. Wow. Okay. Uh, that's cool with me. So, and thankfully, I don't have sixty dollars, sixty seconds on the clock on this one. So, no, take your uh, time. We 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 get to chill out now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Whew. Uh, yeah. So, I guess first things first. Um, if you would like to follow on my escapades, what I'm up to uh, at Hendrix Trog um, is my Twitter account. That's where I'll have. I have links to various things like my website and various things if you want to check out what I'm doing. Other thing I'll I'll put out is obviously my Twitch, uh, you know, which is the same as my my Twitter. It's at twitch.tv slash Hendrixtrog. Uh, at this recording, I should still be doing my uh, what I call Camarocho Theater, where I am currently going through uh, the game Judgment, which came out in 2019. It's a very, very cool game. One of my favorite games of from, uh, from, from the Yakuza guys. From the accused, from the uh, developers of the, are uh, from the uh, Dragon folks. Yeah, they they they've worked hard on this game. It takes place in the same setting as uh, Kamurocho, but it's different characters and cast. It's a game you can play without having played the previous uh, Yakuza games. So I highly recommend that if you have a PlayStation Four. Uh, it would not shock me if a few years from now it'll be on the PC release. So we'll see. Um, so that's two, um, three. I remember last time I. Um, I gave a sh- I gave a shout out to uh, Range Touch. I'll I'll do that again here. Um, I because obviously we technically got a free plug already for Fun Time Calls. So again, I'd like I'm going to shout out the next two plugs will be for two different podcasts. Um, actually, no, no, I think I can make my last three three different podcasts. I like so uh, Range Touch. Um, this is uh, run by Cameron Kunzelman and a few other folks who do a variety of podcasts on different topics. If you want to hear about um, game studies, um, about, you know, learning more about like the the study of like different like 
texts about you know video games and like the history of gaming in general not just video games but like just like games like check out the podcast game study study buddies that's what that's that that's the primary one they do monthly uh, so that's that's but they do other stuff too they do one for like a fallout podcast currently right now uh where they're going over like all of the po- fallout games in very you know very in-depth you know analysis it's really cool probably the jingleism uh, attitude of it to the yeah, yeah they talk about all that shit it's like really smart stuff like if you want to get a really in-depth you know critical analysis My guess of is the, the new cola would be probably a big ad like even in the apocalypse there's still advertising billboards and a corporate company is still like i think you'd like it a lot jordan um if you if you check out the range touch twitter so game which study, i think it is buddies. and yeah game study study buddies and then their fallout show is um it was I ah uh, what I I'll just look it up super quick because it's ah uh, okay well you do that let me just quickly plug uh so Twitch I, I, <laughs> I got too much calls. too much <laughs> yeah too much future too much future that's the show so right. too much future so that's yeah so that's that's three um fourth one is a podcast called Game and Read uh, Game and Read is uh two of my friends from college do the show uh, Peter and Aaron. They do a show where basically they um, they read one book and play one video game and they kind of do like a book club sort of deal where they kind of compare and contrast their themes, how well they work together as a pair. It's a really cool show. I uh, highly recommend it. And then the final one, I recently found the show and Jordan, I don't know if Jordan knows about this. This is a, I think it's one of my funniest podcasts I've heard all year is a podcast called My Gym Partners, a podcast. It is a podcast where Three people are watching every episode of My Gym Partner's a Monkey. It is on YouTube. It is hysterical. You should uh, definitely check it out. So uh, that is that's five. So uh, there you go. You didn't want to bring up Funtime Calls available on Twitter uh, at Funtime Calls or Anchor. Well, we did. We did that beginning the, be- or- the beginning of the episode. We well, did, we did, fun, yeah, we talked about that beginning of the show, so. twitch.tv slash calls because we're live every Saturday or Sunday if the time constraints happen. I feel like that's already going to be in, like, the Twitter link that you'll have uh, for this episode, so I figured I would use it on, you know, the shows that may not get as much attention. So Game Say Say Buddies, Game and Read, and my gym partner's a podcast. Yeah, I figured I figured that stuff will not get as much attention, so I wanted to uh, shout them out, give them some love, give them some care. That's because uh, I I'm a caring person. I I want I, I want all to be successful. I want them to all eventually have uh, big top tier people uh, like Jordan, like like the folks that Jordan has gotten on the show. So that, I want that, these people how- on my podcast. Get these people on to. I don't know if there's any like literature based podcast, but or game. Oh, there's plenty. Um, but yes, we definitely will. We'll try and look into that. But uh, definitely check those those podcasts out. Uh, of course, we'll link them in the description of this episode, uh, and hopefully you'll you'll be able to check them out. Have a great time with that, uh, Jack. I'll see you probably tomorrow for more fun time calls. So. Yep, you will. Um, fo- yeah, we'll, we'll have a very uh, fun time on that. Hey, oh, that's fun. Yeah. All we need is Ian now. I think all we need was just Ian in this to be like, shut up, Jordan. You don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, I don't care about this. Hey. Just need, you need that sound clip from. <laughs> from them calls. Yeah, I just need that one. A big plug to the Titans show. <laughs> the, the, oh, can't, I'm, gl- I'm glad there's no Titans game show. 
there is, you know, obviously there's like the Titan games with the rock, the Titan games, but not, you know, there's no Nightwing, like there's no edge Lord teen Titans game show thing. We don't know yet. DC universe has yet to pick up my packet. (laughs) DC universe will definitely not last another year, but you know what will HBO, the new HBO max ultra. No, no Jack. No chopped the game show we were talking about today oh of course yeah chopped chopped will be i uh, yeah i know usually with you on your show you talk about like you know who bringing a show back but i'm i'm curious as this this is my last question to you um do you think that chopped will outlive you not me i only outlive me oh so me (laughs) i will say i will say this in earnest uh even when cable TV eventually falls under into the streaming wars, because that's eventually what's going to happen, Chopped will probably last maybe 20 years. It'll probably be when Ted Allen, like, retires is when they'll stop that show. Like, that will be I'm, when Chopped makes its, un- it, like, eventual end. Uh, even though I'd they like would to believe in my heart. All that. Cause, yeah, I'd like, yeah. Because, like, they try that right now. Like, Ready, Set, Cook. Remember that cooking show? Like, th- that was, like, an old school cooking game show as well. Yeah, the tomato and bell pepper teams, and it's what have you made for forty dollars? So, so I think that's what's going to happen. I think it would it won't outlive me. I think the show will come to an end, but I'll be well into like my sixties, and you'd be in your fifties, and it'll just be like, well, that was a good game show, I guess. Uh, so did you hear who's hosting Wheel of Fortune two thousand plus a thousand? Uh, really? Who's hosting it? Cyber Lucy Junior. <laughs> Oh wow! What an honor! I can't, I can't wait to tune into that after I tune into the Wall 2.0, starring Baron Trump. You know, I mean, he has, he has an energetic personality ever since he hosted Attack of the Show reboot. Yeah, I know. I know. There's those allegations about him that came out. But just can't get over that smile. But it's okay. He is a WWE Hall of Famer. So yeah, you know, you gotta. You gotta, you gotta respect the folks that did the hustle. Had to work for um, Vince McMahon, who is still alive at age, you know, five thousand. He's still. It, tur- it turns out you can actually replace all your organs. That's. What, I mean, that was the case. Remember, he got rid of Dwayne Johnson's sister and just went, "Hey, give me your body parts, or you're fired." And they were like, "Sure." Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure he has. Um, I think he B- Batista donated a, p- a bit of his brain. Which which didn't make the 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 reboot of Guardians of the Galaxy anytime wasn't it? Uh, yeah you know it's it strangely enough I think it got rid of the part of his brain that made him support Union weird fascinating stuff mm, yeah I wonder if that was on purpose I don't know mm. after he went to that Bernie rally Bernie by the way still <laughs> alive go figure wow you know that's uh, Medicare for all uh, really really did help uh, and also thank God that Watchmen show flunked exactly i guess we should watch watchmen now shouldn't we no we should not no um you can six six plug you can watch Str- struggle session <laughs> watch leslie and jack get suffer through even they are like not even like having fun anymore jack allison <laughs> yeah should clarify not me not, thank not, god yeah, jack no. allison the, the other jack jack the allison ja- the jack am jack yeah the, jack allison jack. leslie Lee jones jack that's a bad jack you know he- that's a he- he went after Stephen Colbert. He went after Saturday Night Live and Michael Che, the the movie man. The boob, yeah, the movie man. That you know the one. You know the movie man. He's like, he's the guy who always starts videos with, "Welcome to Movie Man." 
that's you know i so maybe someday i should make a segment for that for fun time calls is the booby man just that's that's gonna be our parody of like i get okay i just i i, I got we still stop here because i feel like we're gonna yeah, we some, gotta the people listening just a we gotta stop recording Jack, here thank you so much for stopping by <laughs> it's my pleasure thank you as always for having me on i'll see you next year happy 2020 2020 Thank you so much, Jack. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Jordan Haas. That's my name. And if you like fun time calls, check it out at anchor.fm slash fun time calls. It's also available on all podcast services. You can check it out live Saturday nights over on twitch.tv slash fun time calls. And for updates and more jokes and goofs, go to twitter.com slash fun time calls. Now it's time for the 110-part series exploring every pricing game on The Price is Right. This is Pricing Game Spotlight. Pathfinder! Debut date. April 7th, 1987, number 6452D. Finale date, Bob Barker, May 31st, 2007, 401-4K. Premiere date with Drew Carey, December 4th, 2007, 4112K. Pathfinder, hence the name. The contestant called a gauge has to walk a path of side-touching numbers straight forward, backwards, or side-to-side, never diagonally, which form the price of a brand new car. Here's how the game works. The contestant is asked to stand on the center space of a 5x5 grid of 25 digits. That space represents the first digit in the price of the car. The second number in the price is on one of the four squares adjacent, but not diagonal, to where the contestant is standing. The contestant is asked to step to the square they believe is the second digit in the price of the car. If they're right, they proceed to the third, then the fourth, then the final digit, in order, without using the same spaces twice. Doing so wins them the car. However, if at any point the contestant steps on an incorrect space, they must return to the previous space and earn a chance to continue. To earn a continue, three small prizes are used. Contestant is asked to choose one of them and select which of the two prices is correct. If they guess correctly, they win that item and they can continue to get that car. If they're wrong, however, they must select one of the other prizes if one is, of course, available. The game is lost if the contestant makes an incorrect step with no small prizes left or guesses in the final small prize incorrectly after having already made an incorrect step. When Pathfinder debuted on April 7, 1987, price rates still offered cars less than 10 grand, which means it was four digits. When played for a car with four digits, the center space began as a asterisk, the infamous Goodson Tobin asterisk flower the first window when the overhead display was a dollar sign, and the contestant needed to light up all four digits in the car's price. Also, when the game first premiered, it originally used regular bells to indicate, right, and the standard bell when moving in the wrong number. Clangs and traps were yet in use, which was, you know, like a Although the standard things were used on April 25th, 1997, playing. Clangs did not work, not surprisingly, when the game was won on April 7th, 1987, with no mistakes made for the price of the car. When the five-digit car debuted on September 22nd, 1988, 
6954D, contestants stood on the first number for free. The tall prop in the back of the game board, which displays the card's price, is recycled from Adam Up and, in fact, is still a separate part of the Pathfinder setup. The sound indicating contestants' step to an incorrect number was originally used as a trap sound from the game show Trivia Trap, also produced by Goodson Todman. We'll, we'll talk about that game show soon. Uh... December 1st, 1992, a contestant named Ben Reynolds, who was stout, had a full white beard, and looked like Santa Claus was playing for a 13,598 Buick Skylark. Briefly touched his foot into adjacent number, but moved back, waving his hands around, making it seem like he had lost his balance. That number he touched lit up. Though Ben was trying was going to move there, Bob briefly pointed out that his slick maneuver and warned him, Santa Claus or not, don't try that again. Game is normal, Ben won without making any mistakes. The most infamous plays was on November 3rd, 1993, Bob Jazz tried to demonstrate the Crocodile Dentist game after a contestant, Jane Ward, made a mistake in choosing the Crocodile Dentist game to earn her second chance, taking a turn pressing one tooth at a time until Bob pressed the sore tooth and bit Bob's hand. Ha ha! All right, December 12, 1996. Case of errors occurred. First off, Bob asked him to light up the first number, and it was a two. Second number lit up, which was the one on his right. After a small price descriptions, the zero on the path lit up after being on the fourth number, which was a four. We moved to zero, already lit up, which was incorrect. After being perfect on the first four numbers, he lost after guessing all three small prices incorrectly. But before revealing the actual retail price of the showcase at the end of the show because of a lot of error, Bob decided to award Keith the van. Game board remains virtually unchanged while small prices had gone under had undergone several revisions. Colors of the price choices and price reveals were revealed. From Helvetica to PT Banana Split to Kingpin to Dom Casual. October 1st, 2010, the colors were changed to its original scheme. December 12th, 2014, small prices now have another revision. The borders are now silver gray with decorative arrows added to the actual retail price flap. The numbers have a drop shadow effect. Also, the green bases become silver gray as well. After the playing on February 6th, 2012, incorrect information was used to determine the price of the car. After review... Contestant Celeste Green was awarded the car as described. January 5th, 2017, during PCH Week, someone won 20 grand. Th thank you. Here's some trivia. Pathfinder was played twice on the primetime version of the show. It was won once under Bob Barker's tenure and Drew Carey's tenure for a total of two primetime wins. The most number of times this game was played in any season was 29. Pathfinder is one of the first four new pricing games in the sixth taping of Season 36, which was seen on December 4th, 2007, December 12th, 2007, January 13th, 2018, and January 23rd, 2008. On the UK versions, it's played with a replica of the American board, except much larger. It was played with four-digit cards, and the rules were the same as the American version, except that the contestant make a mistake. The contestant does not choose one of three prices, but they would go from the first price to the last. I enjoy this game show because this is one that's more like a maze and a strategy where it's like, which of these four numbers, like an A, B, C, or D game. And if you're wrong, instead of just giving you a second chance, just directly, you have one in three chances to make a correction if you do a correct price, which I think adds a, an element of earn your lifelines in this already difficult game. Once you get your one in four chance, you didn't have a one in three chance. And then you have another one in three chance or one in two if you go to the far right or far left or far down, far back. And it continues from there where the odds decrease in the 50-50 gamble the closer you get to the car, uh, which I also enjoy. And because it's such a clever game, it's one of my favorite pricing games for that reason. It's a maze. It's a trivia game, even though it's not really trivia, it's guessing items. 
but it makes for a fascinating game where everyone can play along and scream four or three or whatever, and they can pick left or right with which of the two digits is right. It's a 50-50 gamble, which I also enjoy. Next up, because it is Christmas time, what better game to play than Credit Card here on the Price and Game Spotlight. This was kind of a bizarre one-year anniversary episode. We talked about Quibi shows. We talked about one of my favorite cooking shows, Chopped. And Pathfinder, one of my favorite card games on The Price is Right. And this is the one-year anniversary. I never really thought I would finish this podcast in one year. I really thought that no one would be listening. No one would be cheering me on. I thought that no one's going to be paying attention. And... I still don't think anyone's really listening to this podcast, to be very honest, but, you know, I I enjoy making this podcast. It's one of those fun sh- things where it's just like, it's something I watch constantly. I watch a lot of game shows. I like talking about game shows, new formats, old formats, all of that, and it's just, it's tough to explain. Like, it's one of those things where it's like you're passionate about it, but it's that love-hate relationship with it all together at one part you like the gameplay you like the contestants you like seeing people excited but at the same time there's so many awful things all at once from production woes to how shows are created that you just go "Ooh, that's a bit scummy and then you just kind of just want to walk away and i'm not gonna quit the show yet i feel like this is like a a big long extended journey but I I feel like I might want to take a break after this pricing game spotlight ends. And that's a 110-part series, so I think I might have another 50 episodes in me. So maybe if we keep doing once per week, I might be able to get one done by the end of next year. I, I don't want to say this is the end of game shows, I suppose, and say doom and gloom right now. But where my head is at right now, it's actually in a real somber spot. I like being the voice of game shows for a mainstream. I think game shows are for everybody. And not to dismiss every other game show podcast out there, because I'm friends with almost all of them. Almost all of them. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be blocked by most of these people by the end of the night. But... they're all focused on the core dynamic of a game show fandom. It's the core group, and rarely do you reach out. You never really want to explain the significance of Jeopardy as the game show ambassador, where people from ESPN talk about it. You don't really want to talk about, you know, kids growing up with Wheel of Fortune, or, I don't know, maybe most reality competition shows like The Voice or American Idol or even Survivor and Big Brother and The Amazing Race. Those are all part of this weird spectrum of game shows that we have created. And it's been a pleasure of mine to spend the last year going through a lot of my favorite formats, talking about it with people who I never really thought I would ever get onto a podcast to talk about it, and that's been a pleasure of mine. But for year two, 
I got to figure out the best strategy for this because I want this to be with the guests and I want this to also be about the format itself and the show itself. And I like doing this podcast, but something telling me a lot of you don't listen to it because it's two hours long or you don't know anything about what I'm talking about because it's news and reviews. So when I say, heads up, Adam Conover's hosting the Crystal Maze, well, what's the Crystal Maze? Well, who's Adam Conover? I, I feel like I'm, I'm legit defeated in this. Uh, but then again, I'm also a new podcast. I can't, I'm not trying to aim for the numbers of Joe Rogan or Hollywood Handbook. But it's just something where it's just, I like having guests on, talking about a game show, talking to them, but to me, I don't know. This is where I feel icky. I would love to get some of these past guests on and form like a rotating crew of, of guests because I think a lot of the people I've talked to who have been amazing, such as Reese, for instance, or or Josh, or, uh, you know, Danny was good, too. Uh, Cindy was fun. I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to go through a lot and forget a lot of names here. But so many of them have been very supportive of this project. And I would love to have people like Matt on. I would like to have pe- people like Jessica, who you haven't even heard yet, come back. Because they have been great people to talk to in general. And it's kind of like a, I'm almost defeated because in a defeatist way, I want to keep making the show weekly, but at the same time, I want to make sure I record all of these interviews well into advance so I don't end up always being like two or three weeks behind schedule. And it's tough, especially in holiday season because everyone's out and about or working a second job or drunk off their ass i mean i'm i'm half that time that so uh it happens uh but i it's this weird weird push and shove and i want to have new people on i want to have old friends on i want to keep talking about game shows but to me where my headspace is at it's it's constantly why are you doing so much work for a podcast that no one's listening to uh, even though I know that's not the case, you're listening to us right now, but it, it's headspace. It's like an, it's an anxiety depression situation here. And I want to make sure year two is as better, is better than this year. I want to make sure people understand the games, have it more fun. We have fun with the games. You understand these premises more. So if you ever find the home game version of them, you can play it along at home and you can have as much fun with them as we do. But there's so little time. And I want to continue this until I finish that spotlight. And then figure out, should I just stop? Should I go into more television criticism in general? Should I just keep doing this for the unforeseeable future? Because it is where my heart's at. That's where my head's at. That I want to make sure I get guests on that I know. And I also don't want to intimidate or harass anyone do I want to go on. A big problem I have had in the last year has been going on Twitter DMs, going in my Facebook profile and say, hey, would you like to be on my podcast? And of course, getting rejected or being told no or get the fuck away from me, you weirdo, because I don't want that to be the perception of me at all. I don't I don't like it when people do that to me. I don't want to do that to them. And it's kind of like a a weird 
I don't know, social anxiety situation mixed with parasocial relationship where I can understand where people would say no or get the fuck away from me or block me because of it. But it is one of those situations where it's the, should I just return all the way back to just being a guest or should I just get like rotating people that I know so that way I never have that fear? Is it okay to have Alton on the show again and again? Uh, than just me by myself. Because I like the whole talk to a friend about a game show. I like that a lot. That's one of my favorite parts of doing this show, besides just venting out my anger at press releases and talking about every pricing game on The Price is Right, even though it's all strictly from a wiki page. You can pretty much be spoiled in one night if you want to. Uh, but that's where my head is at with this show. And I, I want to make this better. So... Uh, legitimately, if you have any ideas over how to fix the show, improvements, what you want to see, what you don't want to see, uh, let me know on Twitter at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A, or on Facebook. There's a Facebook group even. I'm trying to say hi and build that up, but look, let's face it. Who who uses Facebook these days? <laughs> um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm on almost every social media group. So it's... To me, it's I want this to improve. So Apple Podcasts, feel free to do a five-star or four-star. I don't really know. Uh, let me know what game shows you want me to talk about. I, I think that's also important. I want to know what game shows you want me to talk about because maybe you want to hear about Wheel of Fortune or maybe you want to hear about Jackpot. I don't know. It The game show world is broad and it's a long range. It's around the world. It is shows like Tipping Point that we have talked about. It is shows like Survivor. And I want to get through everything. But I feel like I don't have much time. And that's also a big paranoia. It's I have to take it baby steps week by week, guest by guest. And I want to figure out the best plan of attack. Uh, so... I just want to say thank you to all of the guests that have stopped by, and I want to thank any future guests to the show in advance. Uh, you might have to end up being on multiple episodes. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, I know you're not game show experts. You're more comedians or, or Twitter followers, but I, I feel like I have a lot of fun chatting with you, and I hope you're not creeped out because I do not want to be a creepy person. Now, if I'm gonna be creepy, it's gonna be in a horror movie, right? I'm gonna be like the I'm gonna be like the Tim Heidecker in Us, right? Like that's how it goes. So, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Game Shows. I suppose the one year anniversary episode. Next week we will be back with a brand new episode. It will be a Christmas themed episode, maybe. Uh, but until then, uh, have a great night and remember, big smooch, mwah. Thank <laughs> you.